Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 299 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host for the next couple hours of intense game discussion. Alongside me to do that today is Matthew. Kyle, what's up, Matt? Not much. How's your week been? Eh, going all right. Another week not filled with games? Not really, no. <laughs> Although I have taken on uh, a big project in that I got back into Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, really? I'm going to try to slog my way to the good stuff in that one. And it's not easy. <laughs> you count me out, that, bro. <laughs> the, the, the core game stuff is like it's gotten to be... Re- I mean, early on I was like, oh, cool. Da, da, da. But now it's just like, go get these things. Okay, got these things. Go bring the things back to the guy. Like, oh, cool. You know who needs these is this guy. Okay, bring the things to the guy. The guy's like, okay, it looks good. Da, da, da. Bring that back to that guy who wanted the thing. Bring the things to the back of the guy. Like, so just like every other MMO. But it's worse. It's wor- <laughs> oh, like you're really? literally just going and showing a thing to a guy and then showing it to another guy and then showing it to the first guy and then showing it to a third guy and then you get another quest that's almost exactly the same. It's just... And then, like, everybody, like the dialogue, there's a certain point where the dialogue just, like, it's just a mix of fantasy names and and words. Like, it's just, I, I, I'm like, I don't even know what. And, like, I'll just skim, like, the, I, like, speed read the paragraph, get three keywords. I'm like, yeah, I got it. Like, yeah, need the airship. Got to go find the airship. Okay, airship's over. Yeah, okay, crashed. Fine, whatever. Oh, you don't want to do that. Go get kill the things. Okay, go. And, like, that's, like, 15 paragraphs. Yeah. So, I hope this gets way better in in the in the expansions because right now I'm literally there. just um it's like that meme with Thanos where someone's like, you know, been skipping all the cutscenes, get to the final boss and it's just like I don't even know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I know that MMOs are not for me, have never been for mm-hmm. me, and probably never will be for me. Um I've just kind of written those off at this point. I've given so many of them a chance. People have always mm-hmm. said, This is the one. This does this, and this will change it. And every time I play them, I'm like, this is the same crap. What are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, I will say that I that, that I don't mind the combat in this one so much, and it's flashy and, and cool, and, like, uh, most of it's pretty easy to get through. But, like, right now, I'm just like, oh, it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. It just It's so much padding. <laughs> and I assume that the expansions, like, have been, you know, they've been described to me, especially after Heaven's Word, like, that they're, like, you know, very streamlined and very story-driven, and they, you know, they're not like that anymore. Yeah. But you got to get through this stuff to get there. Um, and I know you can buy a thing that jumps you past it, but like I felt like I should know how my character works before I do that. So. Are you going to eventually just no? Jump I think past. I'm actually you're like going to do it. I'm pretty far through. <laughs> I'm I'm through a lot of it now, so okay. I think I'm getting there. Because um, I've got a t- I, I I think I can feel the sort of how you know like I can feel the story starting to kind of move into that final act. <laughs> Get those subtle yeah. cues that tell you like it's starting to move along finally. Yeah, like and you've had like a bunch of other quests branching and they're all kind of coming back together yeah. yeah so I, I i think it's i don't think it's gonna last too much longer but i'm gonna try and get through that and start to like you know finally catch up with some of that maybe during the summer over the course of now in the summer because it feels like there's not much else to play yeah so yeah it's really really dry still and i will say it's real good podcast gameplay like yeah it's just like turn the turn the sound down listen to something you else. you don't need it and just go through the things but there, there are times when like you know I've, I've done it for like hours on end and i'm just like what am I doing? I don't doing? feel like I've made any progress. I'm still like I'm still doing the same thing. Tick 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 tick. Wait. Tick 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 tick. Well, at least Wait. this one can be tick 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 tick. No, it's not even that. Oh, I, really? Well, because I play it with a controller. For one thing. Oh. But like, there's almost no downtime in Final Fantasy 14. Like oh, you are okay. constantly cycling through your attacks. It's yeah. just um, See, there's no cooldowns basically. There are cooldowns, but you you know you just find the rotation and it's very minimal. And like mm-hmm. I have a bunch of stuff. I'm the black mage, so I have a bunch of stuff that like. Um, By the yeah, time you get back around, it's it already. A, no, it has off. a good chance. Like the lower, the lower power spells have a good chance to uh, 
to proc a uh, one of your higher level spells to be cast instantaneously for free. Mm. So like that's sort of the the core of, of the loop on that is like you cast the stuff and when something goes up for free you go you hit them with that and then like so it's like uh, this is I mean it's a it's a satisfying loop. It's just like get on with it. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's um and you run into some level gating here and there with like the class stuff and everything, but like whatever. Like yeah, uh, it it moves at a pretty good clip. But uh, I can see like I don't know. I can see why uh, it's such a barrier of entry to some people. When like, cause I'm, you know, if there really is stuff worth playing, but I, I guarantee you, if those expansions really are like, oh my god, some of the best JRPG I could be, like, I'll let you know. Yeah. Like, I'll I've earned it. Yep. Um. So we'll see. Okay. Uh. Welcome to Game Face Two Ninety Nine. We are one episode away from episode three hundred. Um. And actually, there's gonna there's gonna be a slight delay before we get to three hundred. Matt is out of town next week. You're at a film festival, right, in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is no game face next week. Mark that on your calendars. Um, we're gonna have a week off, but it's actually good because it'll give me more time to prepare for something special for episode 300. I'm in the process of working on that stuff. So again, don't forget next week there is no game face. Um, that will be back the next week, and that will be episode 300. And I'm trying to cook up something fun and cool for the landmark episode. I never got to episode 300 on Invisible Walls. Mm-hmm. Like, we never made it there before. I left before we got there. So this is the longest-running podcast I've ever been a part of. Um, I'm really proud of that. It's pretty crazy, man. Like, yeah. I've already started kind of sorting, like, through old footage of the shows. And it's just crazy how many different sets we've had, locations mm-hmm. we've had, hosts that we've had. <laughs> it's really, really crazy. It's Seven been a years. long... Yeah. It's been... It's The time just flies by. When you work so hard, like... And we talk about this all the time. As you get older, the time goes faster. But also when you're just working your butt off, like, just time just whips. Like, weeks go by. Like, last night, I'm like, is it really time to do Game Face again? Because mm-hmm. when I'm doing this podcast every day, and it's like when you work from 8.30 or 9 in the morning until 11.30 or 12 at night, like, you only have, like, an hour, like, before you have to go to sleep to, like, do what you want. So it it's hard to, like accumulate the days mentally they just all bleed into each other and it just things just keep whipping by but anyway 300 will be in two weeks no show next week um ask shane anything is happening this weekend um this might be the last opportunity to do ask shane the way that we have been doing it meaning as a podcast that you guys are a part of because the last episode two people showed up (laughs) literally Two people. And look, I'm not chastising you guys for not showing up. We record on the weekends, and I totally get it. Like, I wish I had my weekends to do what I wanted. You guys do have that opportunity, so I'm not begrudging you guys for not showing up. I'm just trying to make the show as good as possible. And just a couple of us sitting around talking and having two people ask me, like, multiple questions. It's just not working. Um, So this is kind of the last opportunity. If you guys are interested in Ask Shane Anything the way it is, which is basically a podcast where the people who pledge at $7 or more per month get to participate. If you're into that, you want to see it keep going, you got to show up this weekend. Uh, We'll do a good job of promoting it on, on our Twitter account and on our Patreon and on the site. So let you guys know and remind you that it's happening. Um, and it probably will be Saturday around like 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter and on our Patreon and on sifted.net to keep in tune with that. And if we have another really low turnout week, um, we'll probably go back to the old way, which was kind of how Pactor Factor is done, where we put out a call for questions. You guys load me up with questions. And then I just produce kind of like my version of Pactor Factor really is what it used to be. Um, and also in those cases, the show is more frequent as well. 
um, because it's easier to cut and organize and things like that. So just some things to keep in mind. Um, Ask Shane coming this weekend. And then finally, we, we have been working on a show behind the scenes literally for like five months. Um, and we are going to be debuting that show in the very near future. I think it's going to be this weekend. We're kind of going through the last few rounds of revisions right now um, on the show. Um, Vincent is producing the show, and he was working on uh, Game Pass or Fail, if you remember that show. that's now been gone for five or six months. Well, he was working on that every week, and it wasn't getting any traction, so we decided to shift gears. And Vincent is now working on a new series that will be published just once per month because there's a lot more work that goes into it. It's a big feature-length video. This episode is around 18 minutes long right now. Um, if we don't do any more cutting to it. Um, so it'll be a project that he works on every month, but he has like a whole month to get it done. And the the shows are much more involved, I guess is the best way to put it. So look out for that. We'll have more information on that coming very soon um, when I'm more sure of when we're going to debut it. Um, but Vincent's been working on that behind the scenes for quite a while. And so have I. And so have other people who have been kind of pitching in on it. So it'll be good to get that out there. And I hope that you guys really enjoy it. Um, what else do we got here? I think that's it. Um, for all the housekeeping. It's been another slow week in games, but we do have mm -hmm. some big stories to talk about, and we do have one pretty big game, I think, to talk about. Let me take a look in chat here, see what you guys are up to. I hope you guys have had a good week. Um, as I said, the weeks just <laughs> whiz on by. It just seems like yesterday we were in here doing the show. Uh, Rosencrantz, thank you for gifting subs to our community. Surly Mexican, thank you for Twitch Prime. Talimper, I love your username. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Toast9, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, Game Baron Inc., thank you for the bits. That's awesome, man. People are talking about Shadowbringers as being really good. Uh, what else we got here? Mm -mm 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 -mm. Someone making fun of the song that I was playing. Huh. Making fun of Felix the Housecat, dude? That's, that's sacrilege. Um, Ptor91, thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. And I think that's it. Yep, that looks like it. All right. AJ the Legend Watson, thank you for the tier one subs. That's awesome, dude. You're great. Um, all right, I think that's it. And away we go with another episode of Game Face. We're going to kick things off with, I'm sure you guys guessed this already, this huge bomb that just dropped, <laughs> which is that... Bombs all dropping. Yeah, is that Square Enix has decided to sell... All its Western studio, not all of them, but most of its Western studios. All both of them. <laughs> what? All both of them. Yeah. Well, wait. Yeah. It didn't sell them all, right? Though, because the ones that are doing like um, Just Cause, like it's still, they still own Just Cause in the studio mm -hmm. in Avalanche or whatever. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if they own Avalanche. I don't know either, actually. That's a good question. But for the yeah. most part, Square Enix sold all its Western studios. If you listen to Good Morning Gaming, you, you'll recall about a week ago, um, I talked about how the president of Square Enix had said that he, and we talked about this on Game Face too, that Japanese developers should not be trying to make Western games. Well, now it appears that he believes that Japanese publishers should not be paying for other people to make Western games either because he has sold three studios to Embracer. Remember when I told you guys, watch Embracer out. Embracer is, is the creepiest like consolidation parent company name of all time. Yeah. Embrace, it's, it's like... It's oh, it's creepy. It's a little creepy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Remember when I told you to watch out for Embracer though? Yeah, I think like, it was like, like a, a month or two it's like ago. A tentacle sliding around and you don't realize it until it's got you. Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> but remember, I was telling you guys, watch out for Embracer. It's mm -hmm. this rising force in the industry. It has all this dumb money to spend. Well, it bought 
three studios from Square Enix. It bought Crystal Dynamics, it bought Eidos Montreal, and it bought Square Enix Montreal, which is basically a mobile developer. Uh, but you mm. know what? That's... It also makes me think of Debaser. What? Embracer. Oh. Debaser. <laughs> um, it also bought, in addition to those three studios, it bought a catalog of IP, including Tomb Raider, which has sold 88 million units across the years, Deus Ex, which has sold 12 million units across the years, Thief, Legacy Kane, and here's what I still don't understand, Matt. More than 50 back catalog titles. Like, they still haven't shared what that is or what that I'm means? I'm guessing that's mostly all IDOS stuff. Meaning, so does that mean old the rights to old games to be able to resell them and make the money, or is it the rights to the IP? Both. Both? Yeah. That's I would, kind of I would guess game. everything IDOS published before they were bought by Square. Which isn't much. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> of PS1 era yeah. stuff. I mean, it's like, there's a, it is a lot of stuff, but it's not anything you'd really want. There's a value. Want, yeah. You know, like, um, like, I'm trying to think of anything right now, and none of, nothing's really coming to mind. Um, it does mean that uh, Embracer owns Gex now, though. <laughs> um, finally, we get that collection coming up, maybe. Well, the thing is, um, is that, that Embracer has actually... When it buys some of these publishers, it has kind of fallen into the habit of reviving yeah. some of this IP that the publisher that owned it before had no interest yeah, in I mean, that's reviving. Sort of like standard operating, this, this is what THQ Nordic did too. Like, I mean, you know, THQ Nordic did a very similar thing that Embracer's doing. We're just like buying up, you know, a lot of interplay stuff, a lot mm-hmm. of like, but a lot of the stuff they did, the THQ Nordic does been pretty cool. They they've done two new expansions for Titan Quest mm-hmm. for God's and brought Titan Quest up to to modern standards and put it on consoles. It's crazy. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that because I like that game, but like, I thought that, yeah, that game was dormant for years and all of a sudden, like, they're doing more. Th- so like, I'm kind of into that. Like, look, sometimes you got to sell Tomb Raider as IP so you can fund your stupid pyramid scheme shit. Uh, and that seems to be Square's MO here. Um, <laughs> so we didn't even sure. mention yet. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see some of these IPs in the hands of someone's going to do something with them. You know? Yeah. Like, like, cool. Like, maybe we get to see another crack at Deus Ex that doesn't, like, dumb it down into something that is just sort of embarrassing, which is sort of where they ended up. You, uh, you felt like um, Human Revolution and Mankind Divided were embarrassing? Um, Storytelling-wise, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I mean, I think they worked okay mechanically for the most part, but, like, they largely missed the point of, of Deus Ex. Um, and look, I'm not a huge Deus Ex fan to begin with. Like, I think the original Deus Ex is one of the most overrated games of its era. Um, I, it, everyone talks about how you can play it however you want. Well, it did let me play how I wanted. Like, it had too many weird flaws in it. Cause I, like, I didn't enjoy them. I didn't like, I didn't like them. I mean, I, nobody I liked, struggled to Nobody liked Invisible games. War. But uh, I didn't like the original Deus Ex all that much. Um, but uh, I like Human Revolution okay. Uh, but I do think the story was just sort of like a weirdly linear thing, and even they admitted that they didn't understand what they what the, the boss battles were like like farmed out. Yeah, and like they which had to is go back so and weird. Them, and in the end, I've like, forgotten about there that. was no way to finish when it came out. There was no way to finish the boss battles with a non-lethal build. Oh right, that's right. Um, like if yeah. you built your character for stealth and you got to that first boss and didn't have like any like kind of enhancements in terms of offense, you were not going. You to You couldn't win. beat it. Yeah, and so they had to kind of patch that a little bit. Um, and it was a messy patch, but they got it done. And then Mankind Divided was a better game. Mm-hmm. But also Mankind Divided was really made with an assumption that another game was coming. Um, all of this is explained much more eloquently in uh, uh, H-Bomber Guy's YouTube video, uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution is fine, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Which is a three and a half hour <laughs> explication of why Human Revolution is fine. 
Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. It is true. It is fine. Well, here's an important but thing that we have yet... It could yet, be more. Here's an important thing that we have yet to mention, and that is that Embracer paid $300 million for, Which for all of this. Which is not a lot. Well, so at first, I thought... I mean, there, there was a time when that would have been what Tomb Raider was worth by itself. Yeah. Well, at first, I thought, wow, like, they got the deal of the century. But then I started really kind of digging into it, and I think the purchase price vaguely makes sense. Like... They got. I mean, they got a deal, but so they got it. I mean, it was a fire sale. Yeah. Um, and part of that is because Square has mismanaged those two companies for years. Like, or maybe not mismanaged so much in the case of Crystal Dynamics, so much as doesn't understand what they're promoting. You know, yeah. like I like all three Tomb Raider games. Yeah. Uh, last th- three Tomb Raider games. Um. Yeah. But like, Square doesn't seem to understand what they are or what they're supposed to be or how much they're supposed to sell. I mean, um, after when it comes down to it, the what I really figured was that. Embracer paid $300 million for the Tomb Raider IP and two studios that are capable of making the Tomb Raider games and cycling between each other to ensure that you're getting one once every two or three years. Um, And they got a mobile studio that hopefully can make mobile games. And, I mean, even though we don't play mobile, let's be honest, you can make a lot of money in mobile games. So there's a a lot of value there with that studio. But to me, really, they paid $300 million for two pretty damn good studios in the Tomb Raider IP. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and the you can probably make your money back and the with potential Marvel continuation, right? Which we, which is still kind of nebulous. Like I'm not sure how that's going to work. Oh, it's not nebulous. It's just that Disney and Marvel have to decide whether they want to continue that deal with Embracer. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel, Marvel basically has the option to let them continue running Avengers and etc. and keep that deal. I think, um, at least for the at the very least, they, for uh, you know, Avengers and Guardians. Um, I don't. I, I imagine Square probably still has right of first refusal or keeps the contract for Marvel games moving forward, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but basically that ball is in Marvel's court. Um, you know, there, there's always like a, like a little like kind of, you know, you know, trigger thing there where like if a big thing changes in terms of ownership, something changes hands, license, licensors get to kind of decide what happens with their license. Uh, you know, a similar thing would happen, you know, in the event that someone bought Sony pictures, uh, that deal for their deal for Spider-Man automatically Spider-Man would revert to Marvel Studios. Okay. So, which is which is a, a defensive mechanism in some cases because in the case of Sony Pictures, that makes Sony Pictures a much less appealing purchase if you don't get Spider-Man with it mm-hmm. because they have nothing else. But uh, that aside, that's pretty common with stuff like this. So, Do you think that they're going to allow these companies to keep working on um, Avengers? I mean... Based upon prior history, I feel like Marvel might allow it, but I, if I were Embracer, I wouldn't want to. Yeah, you know I mean, like, I mean, we we did find out in the course of this that Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy lost Square two hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, which is worse than I thought it was. Me too. Um, yeah. So part of what they're doing here is selling this off seems to be recouping recouping those losses. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I think they're doing is they are uh, streamlining the company to prepare for Sony to buy them. Hmm. Um, which Jeff Grubb talked about on Twitter today a little bit about how like they don't have any way to confirm merger or consolidation things really, but the you know the you can feel it in the water kind of thing right now. I mean, uh, do you- I do believe that Sony will have bought Square within the generation. Hmm. Like I, I think that is inevitable at this point. Now, one thing that Square Enix did bring up was this the really low profit margins of the two studios. One of them is at like 1.2% profit margin. The other was at like mm-hmm. three, whatever percent. It appears that Square Enix charged the studios with the cost of the Marvel IP. 
which mm-hmm. seems weird to me. Like that's something that you incur as a publisher, not the individual studios that are mm-hmm. actually building the games. I mean, Square has always organized cost and and loss in a weird way. Like you can see that going back to that mind-boggling thing that happened with the 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 um the Hawaii studio that they set up to do Spirits Within and oh, it was supposed yeah. to be like the CG movie studio going forward mm-hmm. and Spirits Within was a, such a gigantic colossal failure which anyone could have told you it was going to yeah. be outside of that company apparently uh that they they spent I can't remember how many millions and millions of dollars building that thing and they shuttered it after that one movie yeah, like they used. I think they used it to render out a couple of like other CG cutscenes for other games. Yeah, they built that huge render farm in Hawaii down. for they like no reason that they spent so much money on. Well, because uh, um, <laughs> what's his name? The the I can't even remember his name anymore. Like the 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 Final Fantasy guy. Which one? Sakaguchi. Oh. Uh, he thought that that's what he was going to do from then on. He's going to make movies oh. at that studio. Like that was what the studio was basically his studio to make you know revolutionize Hollywood. Man. I remember <laughs> I, I was I was on you know I was I was very online at the time as the kids say yeah um, and I was in you know chat rooms and forums with people who were just die hard their entire identities were square uh-huh. they were they were die hard uh, Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger and 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 you know, all that stuff um, like we're talking people who played Radical Dreamers in Japanese and would name their like handles after those things. <laughs> right. you know, it was like, you know, people or people that got really into Xenogears, yeah. you know, and just called themselves Zeal Four Eight Nine right. or whatever, <laughs> and like stuff like that. And like I remember them, like we would get an, you know, the older people who were more kind of like PC centric or like more less crazy. Like like me and some of the people I was more talked to uh, would get in arguments with them over it because like they they really believed that like this was going to change how movies were made. Like, they really <laughs> thought like the idea of like digital Hilarious. actors like Aki Ross or whatever her name yeah. was the lead like they thought that and as soon as when she appeared in like what was she in like Maxim or Playboy or something like the digital actress was in like a couple of a couple of soft porn mags you remember oh really that? no i don't remember that actually yeah, she, the, the heroine of, of spirits within did like a maxim shoot and i think a playboy spread um maybe maybe that was lara lara did that too with playboy i remember that it's like it was a stupid 90s render model it was like okay whatever. <laughs> um definitely there was a maxim cover with her on it and like that was like oh this is the future is digital actors and no one's going to need real actors and square is going to change everything and they're going to run hollywood because they like they believe it's the same thing as like when play online was starting and i i've said this before i i desperately wish if anyone out there who used to work for square happens to have this video somewhere yeah as far as i know it's never leaked publicly it's only been played in square's booth in like e3 2003 or 2002 or something but it was a play online promo maybe you saw this I don't know if I don't remember if you you, you remember this, but it's you, it was you know it was when you would go into their theater. It was like a big dome, yeah. You know, you sit down on the stupid benches and watch yeah. their little reel. Oh, their trailers, yeah. yeah. So one of the things they were running that year was like a play. It was a play online, and play online wasn't out yet. Like Final Fantasy XI wasn't out yet. It was before all this, but it was like their proof of like this is what it's gonna be like. And like people are on play online and they're playing on Final Fantasy XI. And they're having trouble with a boss, and they're like, "Call what Darren or whatever is in this." So, so they page this guy. Is it pagers? There were pagers in this. Okay, that's how old this is. They page the guy, and he looks. He's like, "Oh, they need me." So he just detour. Like he's walking down the street, and he just sort of turns left into a square play online internet cafe. Oh yeah. And sits down and loads his card in, and like does the, and like logs on and helps them beat the boss and everything. And like the it's like all 
online internet gameplay is now run through play online. Like it's all yeah. like play online defines what it is to play online games. And that's a whole and it's like this whole thing where it just talks it shows the whole world obsessed with play online and I'm like are you out of your mind? Like what are you <laughs> talking about? Like people just walk I, I mean some of it was prescient in the sense that everybody's looking at their phones playing like Tetra yeah. Master or whatever whatever that stupid card game that was the only other thing you could play on play online. Uh, other than Final Fantasy XI, but like it was that kind of weird, detached hubris that has always sort of has defined Square's attitude towards everything from like really 2000 or so on. And um, as disturbing as some of the excess consolidation can be right now, like the idea of someone competent buying Square is like the idea of like Sony being in charge of what happens with Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy. Like that's kind of exciting to me. Yeah, like, I can see that. Like if there's so much potential studios. in those IPs they have, yeah. and if someone competent could finally get their hands on them, imagine, imagine, imagine a Final Fantasy or a Kingdom Hearts made by the company that can that that knows how to make God of War, right? Or knows how yeah. to make even for spoken or anything it, like, it might matter to me again yeah some actual production <laughs> value some actual global like an eye towards a global yeah. audience like there's a there, there's a lot of potential there and uh you know like and i know even with you know out from under squares shadow like you know there's going to be you know embracer and other investors that are going to be like they're going to see the potential of tomb raider they're going to want to jump in on this tomb raider thing and really make it something special again like absolutely we might even see legacy of kane again for god's sake i wouldn't hold my breath on my breath for that but it's also not impossible (laughs) it was before is there a sense matt that if these studios could at least we might get a fucking collection yeah is there a sense matt for you that if these studios couldn't do well with the marvel ip that maybe no because no. the Marvel IP stuff was a, was business errors, not development errors. That was that was not a creative error. That was, I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to find out whose idea it was that that Avengers should be a game as a service, like Marvel's or uh, Disney's or uh, Square's. Maybe it was everybody's all. Well, mm-hmm. you know, maybe everybody thought that was a good idea, but um, it, you know, it, that's not Crystal Dynamics' fault, and it's not the Avengers' fault. You know, like the, I mean, again, like you know, we we like the campaign just fine. Like if you yeah. if you'd made a Guardians of the Galaxy style thing with that, that would have been great. Paper probably would have done really well. Really well, Guardians probably would have done a lot better if the stink of Avengers wasn't on. Yeah, it's possible. Um, it's you know, like that's mismanagement. It's not bad ideas or bad development. Like that's that's all on Square. Like I, I, I are you believe... confident that Square is the one who decided to make it a game as a service? Though I don't know, yeah. but um, I think everyone involved probably learned a lesson. Yep, so. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I think a lot of it may have just come down to numbers for Square Enix, as you mentioned. They lost two hundred million dollars on the mm-hmm. two games, the Marvel game or the two Marvel games. Oh, yeah. Basically, it's just amazing that you that you end up you do that, and your short sighted nonsense solution to that is to sell off two of the surest things you own if you actually were able to see them realistically. But um, yeah, at the, or maybe they finally are admitting to themselves like we don't know how to manage a Western studio, and we're just confused by all this, and so it'd be better just sell it off and do our own thing. Especially if we've got the head of Square talking all about all this, you know, crypto crap. And on top of that, talking about how they want to make stuff more focused on the Japanese market. Um, I mean, I would argue that the Western properties that they just sold, like Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider outsells almost all Square Enix's games. Yeah. Handily. I can't but believe... But they don't seem to have realistic expectations of it. I mean, it is shocking to me, I'll admit, that the Final Fantasy VII remake, at last count, had only sold like 5 million units. Yeah, I mean, that was a year and something ago. I'm sure it's more now, I mean, it sold... Like, okay, let's say it sold 7. Probably still, seven. Still, yeah. that's terrible. For something that people had begged for for literally like almost two decades, 
And then it comes out, it gets pretty damn good reviews, and it sells like that. Mm-hmm. And you have Tomb Raider that sells 12 million roughly with each, each installment, and that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. But Square Enix typically operates on like a 13 to 14% profit margin on most of its studios. And these studios, according to Square Enix, were operating at a 1% or 3% profit margin. And it just sounds to me like it was just a numbers game. But I feel like it's left Square Enix as a worse company, losing these studios and losing this IP. I just... Yeah, I mean, it certainly makes Square Enix almost completely unappealing to me. Yeah. Like, that was one of their saving graces, was they had stuff like Deus Ex and Tomb Raider in the stable. Now, to be fair, there are some properties that it is going to continue working with. Just Cause, Outriders, and Life is Strange. Mm -hmm. But those are are contracted out, I think. I don't think those are owned. Yeah. The studios are not owned by them. And then you wonder what's going to happen with IP like Sleep dogs like who owns that now? i mean the answer to that is nothing yeah no one's ever there's never going to be another sleeping dogs which sucks because sleeping dogs is great yeah um I've, I've actually played sleeping dogs three times a new one to me would have a lot of promise because yeah. the first game showed a lot of promise but it needs that extra level of development yeah it need you need it needs i would love to play a sleeping dogs that takes real lessons from the Witcher Three, mm-hmm. and um, in terms of like narrative design, and yeah. Sifu in terms of combat design, yeah, like go you know really you know plus it on both of those levels, and I think you've got something even more special than you already had. I think Sleeping Dogs is a pretty special game. Yeah, um, it's one of the first open world games where I felt like there was equal levels of attention to detail at like the city size, like scope level, and the foot on the ground interacting with someone hand-to-hand level like every single no matter how far you zoomed in or zoomed out in that game's gameplay it felt like there was an equal amount of attention and care put into all of it yeah which is was super super uncommon that back then it's not so much now but i think sleeping dogs is the first game where i really felt like they'd nailed everything they were after at every level of the scope the other thing too is it appears that neither of these studios are going to have a new game for at least two years because Embracer spe- said that um, we firmly believe the studios will excel under our, our operating model and the studios will continue to break even for the upcoming two financial years, driven mainly by sales of the back catalog titles. Mm. So it's so weird. How does that? I think happen? I am getting my Legacy of Kane collection. That's what, that, that's what I hear out of that. That's what I'm going with. So it's so weird that like you have this game like Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which maybe Embracer will now market it the way it deserves because it's evergreen. The game is still good and still interesting. So maybe mm. there would be an, a second marketing push for that. But it's just interesting that you have this game that's been out there, and then all of a sudden the money that that game is generating just gets pointed in a different direction and it starts mm. going to this other company. It's really weird. Yeah, I mean. That's buying stuff. How does that work? Like You bought it. Yeah, but like, how do you, what, who do you go to to redirect the revenue for that? You have to go to all the retailers, all the partners, and like. No, that would all be funneled into distribution accounts, and the, distri- the distributors are the ones that would get, get the retail stuff, and the distributors are buying it from the publisher, and all that would mean is you are now paying a different publisher. Yeah. Like, that, you're paying Embracer now, and you're, putting, you're paying Embracer's account instead of Squares. That's all it is. So this deal for me. Embracer, a lot of change of address forms. Yeah. This deal for me, Embracer's value goes up. Yeah. More than the $300 million, I believe. Oh, yeah. And Square Enix's value drops, I believe, more than the $300 million. Yeah. Because the potential so. now is less at Square Enix. Yeah. You're basically looking at a company that is going to be held aloft by Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy now. I mean, it went from a publisher where the crux of its development mm. was focused on the most lucrative market right. to... A publisher where the crux of its development is focused on a market that's dead or dying. Well, and also the other problem is, like, 
for all their expectations or unmet expectations or the problems with Avengers or whatever, at least the output of Eidos Montreal and Crystal Dynamics was regular. Yeah. At least something regularly came out. Who, where the fuck is Final Fantasy 16? We just got an where update. Where the fuck yeah. is Kingdom Hearts 4 going to come out? Like, like you, there's nothing dependable about their, uh, their tentpole stuff in Japan. Like, yeah. this stuff at least comes out regularly. I mean, Kingdom Hearts 4, like, I think it'll probably be out in six years. Oh, I like, think you'll be able to buy that. <laughs> I think that'll come out as a dual, like a, like a PS6. Like, how attractive like a, is Square Enix for an acquisition? Like, I, think I don't it's know if it is. I think it's attractive if you're Sony. Yeah. Because you're, you, you've got two, two franchises, Kingdom Hearts and, uh, and Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Yeah. Where, like, those three are all very closely identified with PlayStation already. They are. And yeah. they're Japanese, they're Japanese mainstays, so they're things that, like, you know, Sony's pretty happy with. It gives Sony an in to start talking to Disney again, because, you know, on top of what they already have with Spider-Man. Um, there's a lot of uh, pluses if you're Sony because you know you can step in on this and start managing this like an adult. You know. What like, about Nintendo? Um, I think Nintendo could do something cool with that stuff too, but I don't think they want it. It's interesting though, because you, you say you know Final Nintendo, Fantasy is associated with PlayStation, but and you're right for the current generation of players, for most of them, they would say that. But for me. I associate Final Fantasy with Nintendo because I grew I mean, up playing Final Fantasy games on Nintendo I mean, platform. Yeah, I mean, to me, like the best Final Fantasy is the Super Nintendo game Final Fantasy VI. But like that was twenty, uh, you know, twenty five years. Of, but it's since, Nintendo we're talking about here. It remembers things. Oh, like sure, that. but Nintendo doesn't want this or need it. Nintendo, I don't think Nintendo already does uh, everything Square can do better than Square. Uh, they have a better RPG lineup than Final Fantasy has been in forever. Uh, you don't need them. You don't need to bring in Final Fantasy when you're when you're selling Xenoblade and and uh, Fire Emblem. Uh, I don't think they need their help for Disney stuff um, for Kingdom Hearts. Like I don't see what you... that's kind of a match made in heaven though. Nintendo and Kingdom Hearts and not really though because like you're, you're going to basically have to start Kingdom Hearts four over yeah. because it's Unreal Engine five and nothing yeah. Nintendo's going to put out is going to run that. Yep. So. I would argue that uh, while Nintendo certainly could do something interesting with Square, also a lot of Square's better, uh, lower-profile games over the last five years have been on the Switch. Mm-hmm. You know, like they their their actual interesting Japanese output has been on the Switch. Mm-hmm. True, um, but you could equally put Octopath Traveler on any platform. Oh yeah, you know, like you don't need that to be on the Switch. Yeah, you know, and, it, and, and indeed, there's a PC version of that. I think is there. Um, so yeah, like I don't see a downside to uh, to to that, like uh, in terms of Nintendo buying them. I just don't think Nintendo needs it or wants it. Um, Nintendo is is very uh, picky about who they put in their stable, and I also I also feel like Nintendo probably doesn't want to bother having to clean up the mess that is Square, you know. And I think Sony would. It is a mess. There's no doubt about it. Um... Sony needs it more than Nintendo does. That's for sure. Vincent is asking, if Sony bought Square, do you think they'd keep the biggest stuff like Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, Dra- Dragon Quest, multi-platform, like they are with Bungie's stuff? No. But isn't it, according to Pactor, it's, if you want the deal to go through, you kind of have to. If people have expected those games on their platform, that you kind of have to keep making them for that platform. No, you don't. I don't know why anyone would think that. 
Um, I know this is a contract in place, but there is. There's no contract for, that says Kingdom Hearts 4 has to be on an Xbox. There is some kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to go back and watch the episode again. But Pactor explained it, that the FTC will look for things like that. That any IP that had currently been on those platforms, like Call of Duty. Um, that's why he says Call of Duty is going to remain on PlayStation platforms. Because it had been on PlayStation for so long. And while you could say we're taking it away... If you do that, then the argument, the fight with the FTC is going to be get really dirty, and you're raising the chances of the deal being basically nixed. So what Packer says is that when you you look at, like, if you're trying to quantify risk, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's better, okay, like, for instance, like Bethesda. Like, a lot of its game, he believes a lot of Bethesda's IP is going to remain on PlayStation except for Starfield, because Starfield's a new IP, and it never appeared on PlayStation before. Um Anyone who thinks Elder Scrolls Six is going to be on at PlayStation is out of their goddamn mind. Hmm. Not a chance. Well, like, by the time that comes out, there will be a lot of time has passed. Time. As well. well, by the time Kingdom Hearts Four comes out, a lot of time. But, <laughs> That's true. Um, I mean, like, I don't think Final Fantasy Sixteen. If if Square bought them, this if Square got bought by Sony this year, I don't think Final Fantasy Sixteen would suddenly become a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, I think that would they would go forward with that. Um, although it's also worth remembering that Starfield was going to be on everything too. It was initially. Yeah, it was going. It was going to be on PlayStation. But and his, now it's he's, not. he's saying it's. But it hadn't been released for it ever. Right. But that doesn't really. Matter. Here's the thing. Um, I mean, I guess from a risk perspective, uh, in the sense that, like, I mean, that's only a risk perspective in the sense that the FTC doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Per, exactly. Like, that's what he was saying. And like, but but the thing is, with with like Elder Scrolls, that's a harder thing. But with like Final Fantasy, um, you could Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest to some degree. You could just go back and be like, these used to be PlayStation exclusives for years and we're just taking them back and that would probably fly too yeah the other thing you have to remember is like and this is a harder argument to make with people that don't understand what video games are probably but there is no such thing as antitrust when it comes to ip I like know. there's no such I thing know. as you have too many successful ideas like yeah. that doesn't it's not a thing it's not a thing you, know, yeah. you, you do not it's not something no, you know you do not have an automatic right as a consumer to all ips on the device you buy and otherwise you know, you wouldn't have had the thing where Avatar could only be sold with TVs for the first two years it was on Blu-ray. Like, that's not a thing. And, like, yes, Sony might, like, you know, obviously you're sort of dealing with taking the path of least resistance when it comes to Call of Duty. The other thing to remember is Call of Duty is so much bigger than anything Square yeah, has. Like, it is an exception. It's an it's anomaly. It's an institution, yeah. and it has been on every system every year on a yearly basis for 15 years. Yeah. Like, that is a completely different thing than this series, Final Fantasy, that gets one release every, like, five years is going to only be on PlayStation now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you don't have problems with that, if you do have problems with that, you'd be like, okay, well, Final Fantasy Remake is still on PlayStation and PC. Never came to Xbox so far. No one, no one's suing, suing us over that. Like, what, you know, it's... I, I just don't... It's a non-issue. It's an absolute non-issue. Um, like, I just don't think... And also, Square isn't big enough for the FTC. You know, Activision is a juggernaut like yeah that's the other thing like the comparison to the well the ftc may not be involved because it's an embracer from europe yeah and then you're buying stuff from a japanese i'm talking about sony buying square oh okay got you um and the ftc would be involved to some degree probably because they have branches here like Mm -hmm. they are in one form they're incorporated they're incorporated in in america they have incorporated branches in america Mm -hmm. so there would be a a conversation about that there will not be one about with embracer probably um, also, Embracer is not big enough. You're just buying studios. You're not buying a publisher. That's that's kind of the publisher does add something 
But like the fact that it's Call of Duty is part of the the worry there. It's just like Call of Duty is so big that even you know when you're dealing with something that even an FTC person would probably have heard of, or at least knows their kids play it, then you're in a different that territory than like what's Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that would be worth it just to hear someone explain what Kingdom Hearts is to, like, a federal employee. Like, yeah. Like, that would be fun. <laughs> Sum that one up. Yeah. Like, you know, um, That'd be funny. And that would also, some of the Kingdom Hearts thing would also come down to Disney. If Disney wants it on every platform, then you'd probably be stuck with that. Yeah. That's probably, they would pro Disney has more pull over that decision than the FTC, I promise how do you think that Square Enix's president being infatuated with the blockchain, AI, and the cloud? Oh, that's uh, that's inviting your doom in by the front door. I mean, that means if you get acquired, you're basically being fired, right? I mean, but what they're, what they're doing there is they're going to, you know, if he really continues to lean into that, they're going to have their first initiative on that, and that is what's going to sink them so far. They're going to have to sell, sell. themselves. yeah. That's pretty much how I see this going. This guy, he won't listen to anyone. And if you're anyone. Sony, you're going to be like, we're just going to wait until they hurt themselves yeah. again, and then we're going to buy them for even less damn That money. was my next question. If you're someone looking to acquire Square Enix, do you now wait for this strategy to play out? Because chances are you're probably going to be able to get Square Enix at an even better discount. Yeah. Yeah. How much do you think the Final Fantasy IP is worth, Matt, all on its own? I don't know. I think it depends where you are. Um, I mean, just in general, three billion probably. Billion. I was gonna say like three hundred million. Really? Final like, Fantasy? Final Fan yeah. That Final Fan. You find me a Call of Duty brother knows what Final Fantasy is. It's not. Yeah, they do. It's not. As Everybody good. knows what. No. Everyone's heard of Final Fantasy. Not really. Not casuals. Really? No. I mean, you've heard of Final Fantasy VII if you were around at that time in '97, I guess. But like most people, do not think about Final. You know. Now most you got to remember. Bungie was just purchased for $3.6 billion. Mm -hmm. I mean... <laughs> Bungie makes money. I mean, Square makes money. Every five to seven years when Man. one of these things I mean, finally I think Final Fantasy is probably worth $2 billion. I, there's no way in hell Final Fantasy is worth more than a billion. Not know, a chance. Man. Not a chance. Not a chance. So do you think Square Enix as a whole would sell for less than $2 billion? Oh yeah, yeah. Like a billion would be my limit almost. On wow. That. Especially after the I think they'll sell for more than that. After the even NFT if they crap out with this after NFT the stuff. NFT debacle, like yeah. Honestly, like yeah. No, I I I don't see it. Huh. I don't see it. Like no, Final Fantasy is not worth that kind of money at all, at all. Hmm. Not. I don't know, chance. man. It's been around a long time. It doesn't sell like it. Yeah. I mean, I was shocked to see how little. Final Fantasy VII Remake sold, so maybe I should listen to my own advice. <laughs> I mean, Bethesda was overvalued at the, at the what was that, $4 billion? What, what How was much it? Bethesda? Yes. $4 billion? Yeah. How many copies does Skyrim sell? Yeah, Way more lot. than any Final Fantasy ever has. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. Like, and that was overpriced, I would say. That was, a, that was a lot of money to pay for Bethesda. There was a lot of IP there, though. Yeah, but a, a lot, lot of IP that doesn't Enix. do anything. Yeah. Just like, just like Square. And... Yeah. Square's got two reliable IP globally. Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy. Yeah. And that's it. Dragon, Dragon Quest, Quest is, is pretty much Japan only. Yeah. I mean, Dragon yeah. Quest is successful, but it ain't It ain't like... You It'll know, sell a million. It ain't God of War. Here. Yeah. You know, you're, you're talking... You're, you're, when you're Sony and you're going in on your purchase price on this, you're looking like, our stuff sells 20 million. Mm -hmm. What do you got? Yeah. Like, your 15-year awaited remake of the biggest Final Fantasy ever sold 5 million copies. Yeah. I hear it. I so, hear it. Like, why am I paying $2 billion for that? You're out of your mind at that point. 
Um, Shiniki says, I can back you up. Never heard of Final Fantasy until 7 was on PlayStation Plus. But Shiniki, you're weird, dude. Like, <laughs> Didn't he yeah, say but, he'd never heard mean, of like I mean, Nintendo or something? Yeah, no, but Shiniki <laughs> is weird in the sense of someone who sits every week in a video game podcast live. But he's not weird in terms of normal people who just like video games and don't pay attention yeah. to the industry. Like, tons of people don't know what Final Fantasy is or would be like, oh, that's that game with the guy with the sword from like when we were in college. Yeah. Like, that's about as far but as But it's weird that he says he doesn't know this stuff and his name is, is Shneaky Solid Snake. Like, how do you know who Solid Snake is then? I mean, that's true. But everybody I mean, has, everybody has, I mean, I would argue Metal Gear is about on the same level. Yeah. Um, he also asked, and we'll answer his question, when you buy the IP, what to- what about toys and statues? Do you get the money from that too? Yes. You license out that. Uh, if you own that IP, yeah. Yeah, you can license that out to toy manufacturers. Yeah, so and They're, they're going to get all the big profits from that $14,000 <laughs> Final Fantasy VI statue. Yes, that's, that's anyone who buys Square is going to get that. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, big T D R K asked, did uh, Final Fantasy XI and fourteen do they make money? Yeah, I, they 14 do. Fourteen definitely. Yeah. Does. and I assume eleven must still make some because it's still alive. Right, they haven't closed it down yet. Yeah, I mean that is that's a long running MMO right there. Also, Final Fantasy eleven must cost about fifteen cents a month to keep going. Yeah, you would like. think. Uh, Noxiatornitis says I didn't know what Final Fantasy was until Final Fantasy nine or ten. That makes mm-hmm. sense. I mean, it's ten. If not, ten was a breakout. I mean, and again, like. I would say, like, 7 really made it, like, at the time, kind of, for a gamer group, made it, like, a household name for people who owned a PlayStation. And 10 was a big deal on the PS2. And it really hasn't been a big deal again since then. Like, you know, like, Final Fantasy 13 didn't sell badly, but, like, no one... It didn't really make a big impact. And then they just stuck with 13 for so damn long. Yeah. Like, like and then by the time 15 came out it was a giant mess and no one knew what they were looking at and now like we're kind of looking at 16 to see if they can even get their feet back but um, 15 sold very well i thought i remember i thought it sold like 12 or 13 million when it was all said and done that's a shame if it did i think what it a, did what a piece of maybe shit maybe somebody can google that and figure I'll it google out real that. quick like that seems like a lot i mean maybe i was it, surprised i mean maybe it did total because at one point it was like $5 i mean all games do like, that though not all but of i them. do remember being surprised at how well it sold considering what I considered the quality of the game. I felt like it outsold um, what it should have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've uh, thought nine, it was 9.8 million copies. So like 10 mil. It's about 10 million. That's pretty good. That, num- that number's from November last year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not very good for a, a IP you seem to think is worth $2 billion. Well, I mean, when you look at when you buy something, and I mentioned this on Good Morning Gaming today, you basically pay for seven times revenue for annual mm-hmm. revenue. So when you buy a company, you look at how much revenue that company generated for the last five years, I think, and you take an average of it, then you multiply that by seven, and that's ballpark for what you should pay. Um, but with the games industry, it's it's harder to do it that way because some games, like Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. comes out once every eight years or something like that. So the calculations are a little yeah. harder to make. Um, but $10 million is nothing to scoff at. I mean... No, but as Vincent says, that was what Square listed... At, $10 million listed it as the break-even number. Mm-hmm. And that was obviously not even that that number. Because Which is a insane. lot of those number, A lot of those <laughs> sales... That much a lot of those sales are super deep discount. Because that the mm-hmm. Royal Edition was like five bucks for, for a couple years ago yeah. during sales. And like, that's the fourth best-selling Final Fantasy of all time. Yeah. So, yeah... yeah I don't think that IP is really... I mean, it, people know the words, maybe, but they don't buy them. Yeah. Because like, the games aren't that great. No, they're not. <laughs> but you do wonder there if you There are you're... two Final Fantasy games I would call great games, and they are 
years apart. Yeah. Six and 12 are the two that I would consider great. I know I'm in a minority on 12, but I really like 12. I like 12. And I really like... I like um, nine. I, I think really, nine's great. Nine's good. I really like Ibilis. I really really mm-hmm. like the Ibilis stuff. And I think it's a shame that they got rid of that team. Like I do wonder, though, if you're Sony and you're looking at buying Square Enix and... To what your point earlier, where you're like, hey, imagine Sony's teams kind of getting behind Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts and actually mm-hmm. kind of getting them up to scratch. If you're Sony, maybe you look at there's more possibility in owning that IP, knowing that you can improve them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, there's, I'm not saying they couldn't be worth that if they were handled by competent people. Yeah. Like, Sony could totally turn Final Fantasy into a $2 billion IP. No question. Yeah. But they're not going to pay that. Like, there's no, no, yeah, because then you're charging yourself for all the work you're about to yeah, do. Yeah, like maybe if Final <laughs> Fantasy was popular and selling, you know, in terms of like equivalent ratios as it was on the PS1. Yeah. But they haven't done that in 20 years. Yeah. You know, like it's, you know, and, and the fact that a 10 million seller after that many years on the market is their fourth biggest selling game in the franchise. Like that's, that's not great. Like that's a franchise yeah. that has not grown with the rest of the industry. Um, and I don't know any, even the fans of the ser- series, I don't think would disagree with that. Our chats, a lot of people talk about their favorite Final Fantasy. I mean, our audience definitely knows what Final Fantasy is. That's oh, for sure. sure. I would expect that. <laughs> There's sure. no doubt about it. Uh, but still, another bombshell, Matt. Where is this all ending? I think Ubisoft is next. We talked about that in last week's show. Like, it seems like it's the next one that's going to be. Yeah, Ubi- the, 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 the gears are turning on Ubi. That's yeah. for sure. Um, where is this going to end? Or is it going to end until everything's snatched up? Um, it's probably going to end with the three publish the three big, you know, man- hardware manufacturers, um, owning either owning all these major publishers or owning pieces of them. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, smaller studios, indie indie studios, or things like Embracer and THQ Nordic are going to grow to fit fill those niches. Embracer might buy Ubisoft. That could happen. They're a European company. Uh, the other thing that could happen with Ubisoft is they could interplay it. They could they could just sell everything off. Like, so like the individual yeah, IP. So like one co- one company would get Assassin's Creed, another would get uh, Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs or, another yeah. would get Rabbids, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that happening. Interesting. Anyway. And you know, if I'm Sony and that happened, I would very seriously consider Rabbids. Yeah. And Nintendo would probably want to Nintendo would be Rabbids. interested in Rabbids too. Because, well, Nintendo as well, because there are two reasons. Because Rabbids would work really well both on Nintendo's hardware and kind of how they want to do games, but it would also, Rabbids would also be a useful thing for VR. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with Sony and both Sony and Nintendo have their hands in making movies out of their video game IPs right. now, and Rabbids is already in production for stuff, pre-production for stuff like that. But Rabbids is something that I think uh, would be is easy to pitch to studios, movie studios. Oh yeah, I don't. It's think, like Minions, basically. Yeah, you're just like it's Minions but Rabbits. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you also obviously Nintendo and Ubisoft have worked together on Mario plus Rabbids, mm-hmm. two games now. And so. also remember that Nintendo is already in bed with Universal, who right. owns the Minions. Yeah. And they could very easily do a Minions Rabbids movie. That's true. Which seems like kind of <laughs> Rabbids perfect. versus Minions? Yeah. Like <laughs> Secret Wars. And all and whoops, versus whoops Rayman is a national <laughs> character all of a sudden. Like yeah, it's we, weirder things have happened, folks. Yep. Wait until that Gex collection hits. It's gonna be it's gonna 
2020s is the decade of the Gex. Yeah. Here we go. So anyway. Dana it, Gould, we're going to call you soon. It's the be- industry is just turned into this like amoeba that is just constantly mm-hmm. like morphing and gaining something well, from one side and yeah, pulling well, it be, in. And- I mean, it's survival. It is, you know, like yeah. It's, like the, 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 you know, the cost of things and the, and the, the international trade market is, is, is fracturing. Um, there's a big... Now's uh, the time to buy. Well... If you think anything's ever going to get better again, yeah, um, I mean it's time to buy. If you're a multinational conglomerate who has the money to throw around for acquisitions like that, it's probably not time for us to buy anything. Yeah, um, I mean, there's even now, you know, there's a there's a big scandal in board games this week, where um, this company called Simon, uh, uh, which stands for Cool Mini or Not, they make big Kickstarter games that are like tons of miniatures and and they do a lot of IP stuff. So they did a game, they do a game called Zombicide, which people have probably some people have probably heard of, where it's like yeah, you're fighting zombies on a, on a map, and but it's very modular, and they do tons of expansions. So they did a version of that on Kickstarter earlier this year called Marvel Zombie Side, which mm-hmm. is Marvel Zombies, but plugged into that. And it was huge. It's like $700 to get everything. Jeez. There's like a, literally a 1,001 miniatures if you buy everything. Wow. Including a, a Galactus that's like this tall. Huh. And so you, what happens with the Kickstarter board game stuff is you pledge to the thing, you get, you, they take your money, and then a f- usually a few weeks or a few months later, they put up a pledge manager that you go through and finalize your order and pay the shipping. Mm-hmm. And the shipping, because of all the weird shipping problems in, in China and, and manufacturing stuff and how many shipping containers are gone, and in Europe is even worse with VATS, um, the shipping for these things turned out to be double what the estimate was during the Kickstarter. So there are people who have already spent $700 on this and they, to ship them where they need them to go, like especially if you're in Australia or somewhere, three, $400. Like there are people who are paying almost over half the value of the item in the shipping. to ship them. Is there any way to get out? You can cancel it, but you lose 10% of your pledge. So you'd lose 70 bucks or you'd, whatever. You'd lose 70 bucks, but like a lot of people are. Still, that sucks. But That's 70 uh, bucks. Yeah, but Simon is not doing anything about it because they say it's um, no. And the other thing is like you, they don't ship until like July next year at the mm-hmm. earliest. So you're like, why don't you wait and charge shipping in a year when it's cheaper? When it might be cheaper because yeah. it's probably going to get. But, but like, so there's a whole thing with like price. But I and like people are backing out of even doing Kickstarters anymore because of it. And like, there's it's a whole debate. But like that stuff is going to hit, and eventually that kind of shipping stuff is going to start hitting produce and food. And I mean, it already goods. kind of is. It is, but it's yeah. going to get worse. Yeah. And there might come a time where we really don't care who's buying Ubisoft because we're busy knife fighting over that Mountain Dew that I talked <laughs> about before. <laughs> that head of lettuce. Yeah. Things are um, volatile right now, pretty much across the board. So we'll see how it all goes. But as of right now, Embracer got, it, I think everyone can agree, a good deal on what it purchased. It, didn't, it certainly didn't overpay for what it got. Um, and to me, it just leaves Square Enix as this. It kind of is just, they should just drop the Enix now and just go right back to just being Square again. Because it feels mm-hmm. like they just went retrograde, right back to the way they were in like the early, mid-90s. It's just, when the market at home has shrunk the way it has in Japan, this just seems idiotic to me. To cut off the part of your company that, in my opinion, at least had the opportunity for growth. I, I'm flummoxed by this whole thing. Um, but look, if if that means we'll get Tomb Raider games more often, or maybe they revive Deus Ex and it's actually something I enjoy this time, that's cool. But I don't know what the heck Scranix is doing. That president, if he did this really just to get into NFTs and crap like that, he's going to end up being fired. Um, yeah, there's a there's a... 
I mean, I don't think it is, but there is a po- like a point where you're looking at this and it's hard to like. Are you doing this on purpose? Right. Like, are you tanking this? Are you trying to kill your company? Like, it's I don't know. Like, it just seems obvious. Like an obviously terrible decision. I don't know. But anyway, there you go. That's Square Enix, at least a big part of it, bought by Embracer. Um, and it looks like we won't see another Tomb Raider for at least two years, based upon what Embracer said. So it seems like we're kind of due for that already. But Well, we only just started hearing that they're working on a new one. So. Well, Crystal Dynamics also is helping on Perfect Dark, which the new Perfect Dark, which apparently Embracer is like, yeah, you can keep working on that. I don't know why Square Enix said that was okay. Why would it let one of its studios go work on someone else's game? The whole thing is just bonkers. But we got to move on. Next up, we're going to talk about a game that I just got, but it feels like a game that I played back in 2006, and that is Nintendo Switch Sports. Matt, have you played this at all? No. You haven't? Nope. Um, why is that? Uh, well, A, I didn't realize it came out because I don't care, and uh, <laughs> B, I'm, no, just to go back to I don't care. <laughs> Did you enjoy Wii Sports back in the day? Yeah, I liked it okay, but I liked it as like a party game with people. Mm-hmm. Um, that is obviously not how I play games anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, no. And also, like, I am very unimpressed by how the Joy-Cons work as motion controllers. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really willing to spend money on this, and Nintendo ain't sending me free copies of anything. So, yeah, yeah I don't need this in my library. Well, this is basically the same damn game. <laughs> I'm not even, like... 16 years later, it's very hard for me to, to see many differences between this and what I played way back then, other than the fact that you can play everything online against Much other people. fancier me, though. Yeah, well, the, so that's a thing. On my Wii, I had megatons of, of Miis, and they were like celebrities. Like, anything that I played on my Wii, I was playing with, like, Hulk Hogan and Barack Obama and all these celebrities... And these characters from pop culture, because people would go and create Miis, and you just have to download them. It was very easy. The marketplace was there. You could grab stuff. And your games ended up being filled with all these people from pop culture. And it was funny seeing some of these characters put in these weird positions that you normally would never see them in. Mm -hmm. You can't really do that with this game. Like, I have no Miis on my Switch. Do you? Mm, I think I mean I think I do have my original one on there somewhere. I don't. I can't even find my original. I don't. Meme. I wouldn't know where to look. No, yeah. I don't. I don't know. And so, for instance, like my wife back when Wii Sports came out in 2006, she played the crap out of Wii Sports. She played bowling. She played tennis. She loved it. But it's a big part of, of the allure for her was she was in the game. She had her me mm-hmm. that looked just like her, and it was her playing with all these celebrities and all these wacky sports. She loved it. I could not get her to even try this. Hmm. The character creation in this is something that you unlock as you play. How is the animation on the original Wii Sports for bowling better than this? I don't know. What is that? The, the ball just popping off. I'll her get hand to. Like I'll get to that stuff. Uh, but it's like my wife was like, "Well, where am I?" I'm like, "Well, I, we don't have you yet. Like, I I have to earn like the haircut." So Mm -hmm. you can use the haircut so you can make... It's so dumb. Like, to me, that was a huge part of the allure of the original Wii Sports was the Miis and my me and my wife's me. And all that stuff is basically gone. Or you have to dig deep to try to find it. Like, unlocking the parts that you need to actually make yourself takes a long, long time because the way the unlocks work in this is when you level up, it takes you to this panel that has like 10 different things on it. And you choose which panel you want, 
and then it just randomly cycles around and you get something random from that panel. So even if you see something, oh, there's my haircut or there's the, my eyes or whatever that I need to actually make my me, the chances of getting it, you have to keep playing the game to get that stuff. It's not immediately accessible. That, to me, is mistake yeah, that's dumb. number one. It's like they missed a complete... Like that, had to be, that has to be pick up and play for yeah. anybody who wants to make themselves look however they want. Like yes. That's the whole like, point. I, it's like they completely went over their head. that like, was like standard beginning of party thing. Everybody make a me. Yep. Dun, da, 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 da. There you go. Like 10 minutes later, everybody's done. Everyone's got their character and it's, they're playing in all the yeah. sports. It's, it's gone in this. It's really weird. It, it went completely over their head. One of the big draws of playing Wii Sports. I, I don't get it. Um, so my wife was not interested in playing this. To your point... And I'll get more detailed on each of the sports here in a minute. But to your point about the Joy-Con not being much better mo- with motion controls is point on point. Like, I see no improvements playing these sports with the Joy-Con than I did playing with the Wii Remote. Particularly Ooh, after... That was a good spare, though. Yeah, that's the best spare, man. <laughs> that's one hell of a spare. Watch yeah. this. Uh-huh. That's me, too. I did that. I, I was shocked. I was like, oh, my God, it's the best spare I ever got in Wii Bowling. Um... But anyway, it is um, no different playing this with the Joy-Cons than it was playing with the Wii Remotes way back in the day. Like, mm-hmm. there are, like, motion-specific things. Like, in bowling, when you, when you roll it, you can turn your wrist over to create spin. It's hard to do, and I think really hard to get accurate, but you can do it. In tennis, in badminton, like... It's really more of the timing of when you hit the tennis ball or the shuttlecock, depending on as far as like the placement of the ball is concerned. And then to do top spin or backspin, you hold buttons to do that. So, you know, the motion controls in that are pretty negligible. A lot, for most of the sports in this collection, the waggle controls or the motion controls are really just like binary on and off. It's basically just a, you're just waggling it to, where you could just hit a button is what mm-hmm. I'm my, my point. <laughs> Um, and you were asking earlier about bowling and how, like, the the ball, it looks awkward. Well, because the game does a terrible job of teaching you how to play the game. So, for the first, I don't know, hour that I played this, like, I would hold the Z-right when I wanted to start, like, the whole process of rolling the ball. And then I'd do the motion of pulling it back and then pulling it forward. And then I'd release the Z-right button like I'm using a real bowling ball. You let go of the bowling ball. Well, no, you're supposed to hold on to the Z-right button. And nobody has figured this out. Hmm. So what happens is either the ball just drops at your feet or the ball will start rolling halfway down the lane and then it'll just disappear and you have to start over. Like it doesn't register the rolls. It's it's weird. Um, you cannot use the Pro Controller in this at all. You have to use the Joy-Con. Hmm. There's, there's no feature for the uh, Pro Controller. So if you thought you could maybe skirt around it. Now there are some sports you can play sitting down if you want to. If you don't want to sit down, but it does get awkward and a little weird. Um, I ended up just standing up to play it, like, pretty much the whole time. Um, so there's six sports. Boxing is coming in the fall. There's volleyball, soccer, sword fighting, badminton, tennis, and bowling. Um, volleyball, a pleasant surprise, I will say. Like, I thought this was going to be the dumbest sport. It's actually one of the funnest. It just follows the typical pattern of volleyball, bump, set, spike, where, you know, the, the other team hits the ball, you bump it up. Your teammate then sets it, and then you jump up and spike it. Or maybe you're the second person in that chain, and the first part person bumps your uh, your teammate bumps it. You set it, and they spike it. But like, there's a lot of action in this. You can actually control where your character is on the court. You can like go left or right. Although the game does a pretty good job of doing that all on its own. 
But like when you go to spike a ball, you hit up with the with the Joy-Con once. So you jump up and then you hit it down again to actually spike it. And the timing of that is very important as to whether you actually end up getting them in bounds or not. I really liked volleyball. I thought it was a lot of fun and more fun than I expected it to be. It does feel a little random as far as whether the balls go in or not. And I feel like this game in general is kind of like that. Even the tennis, I feel like it sometimes it's just like it just tells you whether or not you're going to be able to get it in or not. It's really not a lot that you do. Um, oh, that was a very questionable in. Right, exactly. Like, I was shocked that that was in. It seemed like it, like, it jimmied it, didn't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looked weird. <laughs> it looked like it was going out of bounds blatantly. I don't, I don't think I need uh, realistic ref, like, errors in Wii Sports. <laughs> yep. Um, but to me, this was a pleasant surprise. I didn't think I would like volleyball, and I ended up liking it a lot. So is this online play? This is all mm-hmm. online play, Yeah. A lot of the sports, too, are entirely dependent upon lag mm-hmm. because they're all timing-based. Tennis. I feel like I won or lost most of my matches either because I had lag or the other player had lag. Yeah. Because all it takes is one little blip of lag in tennis, and suddenly your guy up front is swinging, and your guy in back doesn't have enough time to then swing the second time. Oh, oh that was out. Okay. What? No, that, that last shot. I was like, how was oh, that oh. in? Oh, no, it was out. Oh. It was out. Badminton. Badminton. You think it's a lot like tennis? It's not. And in fact, I think badminton is more strategic and more reliant on player skill than tennis is. Mm-hmm. Now, in badminton, obviously, the ball can, the shuttlecock can never hit the ground, so you don't get that bounce or whatever. There's no margin for error. But it's more reliable as far as what you're doing as the player because you control your shots with, like, buttons. So, like, your smash shot or your quick shot or your drop shot in this, it's not like relying on the motion controls to do it you hold a button to do it oh imagine that yeah it's, and it's more reliable that way and it actually who feels could have guessed it actually feels more strategic and more like who's better at it is actually the one who ends up winning the rallies are longer the game i just found it to be way more intense like essentially what you're trying to avoid while you're playing badminton in this is not hitting the ball like way up in the sky because if they if you do that your opponent then can spike and that's pretty much point over it's really hard to return a spike in this but you can also stagger the opponents so if you if you hit it on them and they're too late to react it'll stagger them and they'll be kind of out of sorts and that i think the trail on the shuttlecock turns like blue or whatever and that's your cue to like spike it or whatever yeah so i had a lot of fun playing badminton it was one of the favorite things that i played in this um and i thought it was just going to be an also ran from tennis i enjoyed this more than tennis um the other part of tennis, too, is having the guy up front and the guy in back. And again, mm-hmm. if you get that little lag spike, it's like your guy up front will try to hit. Or maybe he does hit the ball when you don't want him to. And he ends up returning it and like putting it out of bounds or whatever. Um, so I actually like badminton more than tennis. I don't know if I'm an anomaly in that way. Um, also, there have been some really good tennis games. And I feel like there haven't been quite as many badminton games. So yeah. you're sort of like... You're up against uh, harder competition when you're trying to, like, make a good tennis game here. Yeah. Returning back to bowling. Um, bowling in this, when you play online, is like an elimination where you're in a big yeah, tournament. And there's, like, a cut line. So after every, like, three frames or so, they cut, like, the bottom however many people off until at the end for the very final uh, set of frames, there's only three of you left. And it is also not ruined by lag. And also, bowling is where you get most of the points to level up. Like, if you have a good round of bowling, you'll end up earning, like, 150 points or whatever. A lot of these events, even if you win them, you'll only win, like, 30 or 40 points. So if you're looking to unlock cosmetics or any of the other stuff that you unlock in this, like, you end up unlocking 
the cosmetics. Um, you unlock these stickers that you can use. It's kind of like chat. You just hold the R button. You can see on the top right of the screen there. And it brings up four options. And it's just basically your, your way of reacting to what's happening in the game. Uh, you can unlock more of those. You can unlock... Um, eventually, you unlock in bowling, like a special mode where the lanes are like wavy or there's obstacles on the lanes. So is this just Rocket League? It is, yeah. <laughs> but this game, you actually have tons of control. I was also pleasantly surprised by soccer, honestly. Um, because you can actually move control movement 100% your character's movement. Um, and you have a turbo that builds back up over time. It's on like a cooldown. Um, you can just... You can pass to your teammates holding one of the buttons. Um, you can do like a if you slam both of the Joy Cons down, you do like a like a headbutt of the ball, and it's like the hardest way to shoot the ball. Um, and then there, are, if you waggle left or waggle right, then you can kick the ball at a really direct angle left or right. Um, I was also pleasantly surprised by soccer. Honestly, I had a lot of fun playing this. Um, it takes a couple matches to get the hang of it, and you're, if you're playing against people who don't know what they're doing, it's really easy to win. Um, I had found myself winning almost everything I played in this game, period, honestly. Like, almost every bowling outing, I finished in the top three. I won almost every tennis match I played. I did win every badminton match I played. I won almost every volleyball match I played. I won almost every soccer match I played and was, like, the top scorer, like, the MVP or whatever. I don't know if, like, everyone is playing this. There are a bunch of kids. Like, I don't know. But there are it, a bunch of kids that expect you to do worse. Why? Oh, because they'd be really good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there, there's a bunch of adults playing this. Is, it's all the Wii Sports people coming back and not having touched a controller in 15 That's years. That's possible. That is absolutely possible. Uh, but soccer was a pleasant surprise. I actually had a lot of fun playing it. Um, tennis is probably the most robust of the three because there's three different courts that you can play on. There's clay, there's grass, and there's a hard court. And they all drastically alter how the ball plays and what the ball does. Obviously, on a hard court, the ball bounces more. On clay, it hardly bounces at all. And spin doesn't work that well on clay. Um, and it does make kind of a big difference. But as I said, lag in tennis is a killer. And, and Nintendo Online still sucks, Matt. Mm-hmm. Like, I was okay with it, like, when it was free. But now that we're paying money for Nintendo Switch Online, it's got to be better. Yeah. There, there can't be as much lag as there is in this now at this point. Like, I I don't play... I play Splatoon every once in a while. It's hard to notice the lag in Splatoon all that much. It's kind of a loosey-goosey shooter. But, in like, playing tennis in this, like, it's it's doom. It will doom your game if you get lag at the wrong time. And it's pretty prevalent. Um, I'm disappointed in that. And I see Vincent in chat says the first match of each session is against bots. He's right. Like, the first bowling match, it was hilarious. Like... Um, literally, like, people were just, they were, the bots were just throwing the ball in the gutter. Like, Nintendo <laughs> cannot make bots. Like, the ball would go three feet down the lane and go straight into the gutter. Because you can watch everyone else play and, like, finish their, each frame after you finish yours. You can sit and watch and, like, cycle through the different players. And literally, the bots were just throwing the ball straight into the gutter. I was like, hmm. what is going on here? And then I looked online and it said, yeah, your first match in anything is against bots. So, yeah. Um... Sanitize asking, there's no dedicated goalkeeper. Yeah, there is. I mean, no. They can, you can assign someone yeah, to your I guess team. You could stand there. If yeah, you, you can to. stand and play goal if you want to, but nobody wants to. And that's the yeah, problem. It's Rocket League. Yeah, it's, it is like Rocket League. Although there are people who want to play goal in Rocket League. And really, if you want to be good at it, nobody should play goal in Rocket League. No. People should just be cycling in a cycle all the time. Um, in this game, having a goalie would be a good idea, and nobody wants to play it. <laughs> it's really weird. And then the sword fighting game is. 
it's really simple, obviously. You're just trying to whack the other guy off of the platform or the other person off of the platform, and it takes, you know, best of three rounds, basically. But and you, there's three different swords that you can use, and the swords do kind of switch up what you can do. Like, there's just a straight sword. There's, like, two swords you can fight with at once. But really, all you're doing is, like, if your opponent has his sword up guarding, you strike vertical. If your opponent has his sword horizontal blocking, you strike horizontal. That's really all there is to it. It's easily the worst of all the events in Nintendo Switch Sports. It's not even close. Um, soccer, I should also mention soccer. There's a mini game, like a basically a penalty shot mini game. And the game comes with like the strap. You can strap around your leg straight out of like Ring mm-hmm. Fit Adventure. And you have to use that if you want to play that mini game. But it was dumb and pointless. Um, this, the game comes in like a box. So it's not just like shrink wrapped because they have to include the leg strap in with it. But the game does sell for 50 bucks, which. At first, I was like, oh, it's only 50 bucks," But then I realized, like, we got the last one for free. <laughs> <laughs> True. And this one, like, is it worth... Well, unless you count Wii Sports Resort. Right, right. This one so is... I also didn't buy. Yeah. And this one, is it worth 50 bucks? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not going to play online, it's, it's not worth 10 bucks Because playing this by yourself is awful. There's really no reason to play it by yourself. You're just I mean, basically... Wii Sports. It's, yeah, same aesthetic, basically. Um, so if you don't play online or you don't have a Nintendo Switch online, do not buy this at all. Like, it would be the biggest waste of a purchase ever unless you have a big family where a lot of you guys are going to play local. Um, but if it's just you, don't buy this. There's no single-player anything in this. There's no campaign. It's not even like the first Splatoon where, like, they kind of half-ass trying to make mm-hmm. a campaign. There's nothing at all. You just can play through the different sports. Um, and once you get to a certain level in each of the sports... Then you can become a part of the pro league for those sports, and that's when you start getting like rankings and you start playing against people who are ranked in the same kind of arena that you are. But the game never gives you the opportunity to go and look at your stats. Like you cannot figure out like, what's my record in tennis? Is my record like fifty-five and twenty-one? You can't. There's none of that information is in there. Hmm. And even as you get into the pro leagues, you just go up the ladder in the pro leagues. It doesn't really give you a good readout of what your actual stats are and what you've been doing inside the pro league. So even for people who are going to play this online, like I feel like the draw does become minimal after a very quick period of time. Like All I did was play this online. My wife wouldn't play it. <laughs> and after a few days, I was like, I'm good. Like uh-huh. I get it. Like Now, if I had people over, would I pull it out and play? Yeah, I think I would. Um, I think it would be a nostalgia thing for some people, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Like, I think some people will want to play just to... I think people want to play, and then, like, I think, like, 20 minutes in, they'd be like, hey, can we play actual Wii Sports? Yeah. Like, you know, the, the nostalgia would be like, oh, I'd rather just play that thing we used to play. I mean, as far as the question of, is this better than Wii Sports or Wii Sports Resort? Hmm. I struggle to say that. Yeah. There's, a, there's a simplicity to the original that is hard to... Hard to beat. There's a charm to it, yeah. too. Because the graphics are just so crude and basic that there's a charm to it. In mm-hmm. this, it's like they've tried to make it look more realistic and not as bad, but I think it loses a little bit of that magic in the process. It just feels... Yeah, it looks very generic to It me. feels soulless. I'll actually, yeah, yeah. Well, also, like it doesn't look like a Nintendo game to me. No. Like It, it looks it, like ARMS to me. Yeah. Remember ARMS? That art style. Yeah, the faces <laughs> have that uh-huh. look to them. 
And I don't know if the ARMS studio actually worked on this or not, but it, that's what it kind of reminds me of. imagine they're not working on ARMS. They're definitely not anymore. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that ship has definitely sailed. So now, if you just showed this to me without the... Bra- I would have a hard time knowing this was not like some kind of generic... like Rip-off of Wii yeah, Sports. Like if it, was, it feels like something Namco would make. Yeah. Maybe Namco did make Maybe, this. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Um, and then ultimately it's like, okay, what propels you to keep playing this if you're someone like me who doesn't have like, you know, a family with kids and, you know, stuff like that to play with. It's the unlocks and the unlocks are just very uncompelling. You're unlocking stuff like this. Like, look how, look how few customization yeah. options there are, Matt. It's not much. I mean, that's terrible. And this is what you start the game with. Look at how many hairstyles there are. Like at first, mm. Matt, I thought that... I couldn't find the men's hairstyles. <laughs> I was like, oh, I must have selected a female character because there's no men's hairstyles. And then I looked at it, I'm like, nope, there's just the one men's hairstyle. <laughs> like, that's it? Like, aren't the, all the others like women's? It looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, I think the second and fourth one are probably men's, technically. Um, the shaved on the side thing. and the. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Also, you can wear With your the hair however the hell you want. Yeah. But, like, that is a, like, six hairstyles across all genders is, that is shocking. Yes. So, I mean, I'm sure you unlock tons more playing the game. But, but that doesn't help forever. you. That doesn't help you when you're trying to, like, get other people to play and make characters that look like themselves. Because you can't choose what you unlock. It's yeah. like once you get a level, it you choose a panel of like ten things, and mm. then the little cursor goes. That's even weirder to me. Like, like at the very least, you'd think you'd make it easy for me to get what I want or what other people that want to play with me want. That is that is a that is a mis that is a a misunderstanding of how this all works on a level that I have rarely heard of. Yeah, and because all I wanted was I wanted like. The Master Sword to play the sword fighting game. Or I wanted a cooler tennis racket, but you can't select what you unlock. So instead, Mm -hmm. I ended up getting, like, goofy stickers or, like, dumb titles. Like, stuff that I don't care about. Like, I don't know. This this game is definitely, I recommend against spending $50 for this. And unfortunately, as we say all the time on Game Face, waiting for Nintendo to lower the prices on its first party stuff is a fool's errand generally. It just doesn't happen all that often. Um, so I would really struggle unless you have a big family and you're going to play this locally. And in that case, you know, if you've had kids since 2006 and they didn't play the original Wii Sports, they're probably going to love this, honestly, because it's their first go around with it. Mm-hmm. So if you do have a family and you have like two or three kids and you and mom are kind of into playing games together, this could be a good purchase. And in that scenario, I would probably say it's worth the 50 bucks. But anyone else, I would just stay away. It's just not worth the money. Um I'm disappointed, honestly. I really thought that with the Joy-Con, the motion-controlled stuff would be so much better. Like, I really thought that I would feel like I was in control of these sports a lot more than you are. And in the end, it just feels like a lot of the waggle is just a button. Yeah. You could do it with a button instead of... I mean, that's how I felt about waggle for forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, some games, obviously, that made good use of the Motion Plus, that was an exception. Sure, but those are pretty uncommon, and they're also almost never multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yep, they were almost always single player. Um, So anyway, I'm sure some of you guys are probably maybe have a couple questions about this. Um, And if you do, I'm willing to answer them. I've played a lot of it. Um, Let's see if you guys have any questions for me about this game. Because there haven't been a lot of big games coming out. Sadly, this is like one of the big games right now. This is about as big as they've got for like the last three weeks. 
Uh, Vincent says, make sure they wear the wrist strap. I did not ever wear the wrist strap, but I guess you saw the video of the kid like on day one throwing yeah. his Joy-Con through his TV and breaking his TV. So <laughs> it's it's a concern. I never did wear the strap though. Um, Soulcorp says forty bucks. It's not forty bucks. It's fifty bucks. It's forty bucks digitally. Oh, so because you, you don't get the leg yeah, strap. It's ten bucks more for that leg strap, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> okay, so here's another pro tip. Buy the digital version. Do not buy the physical version of this game. Um, because the leg strap, the mini game that you use to play with it is so dumb. It's not worth it. And the strap is literally probably cost Nintendo a dollar to make. I'm not exaggerating. Um, Congrim says these characters look similar to Ball and Wonder World. Well, you're going to see yeah, in here shortly in a little bit later yeah. on in this episode just how accurate you are. And that is accurate, actually. Um Andy T. Monaghan, you'd think better hardware would make performance more consistent. Yeah. You'd think Wi-Fi wouldn't be faster than a wired connection, but... I played wired, by the way. All my footage was wired. Um, But everyone else doesn't play wired. Everyone else plays Wi-Fi, so... Um, Nope. It looks like no one has any questions. (laughs) Fire Native, don't use a strap, but record it so we can all laugh when you destroy your TV. But see, that's the thing. The people who swing the Joy-Con that hard are doing it wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you don't have to it's it's never like this is what i this is how i play tennis yeah that's it that's all you have to do you don't have to like stand there and like get in a stance and like swing like you literally just do this at no point do you need to take cover behind your couch no (laughs) to play metroid (laughs) so a lot of these games you can sit down and play bowling is hard because you do have to get the Joy-Con down low, and it's a little weird. You might, like, hit your couch or the chair that you're sitting on or whatever. And I did end up standing to play most of this stuff just because I got tired of, like, sitting down and standing up, mm-hmm. sitting down and standing up. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, Cinetike, is it cheaper digital? It is. It's $10 less if you buy digital. And I would recommend that for pretty much everybody. Unless you're trying to use this as some kind of a fitness thing. Another thing I would add, this is not a fitness app. <laughs> this is not oh, going to no. get you in shape. You are not going to burn any calories playing this. Like, even the volleyball, it's like you just hit up. And you hit down to spike. You hit up the set, you hit down to spike. Like, you don't get active while you're playing this stuff at all. Even the soccer game that you play with the strap on, like, you're just moving one leg. You're not, like, running in place and then running and, like, kicking or anything like that. It's nothing like that. So, pretty disappointed in this, to be honest, Matt. I really thought it was going to be better. I mean, it's, it's been 16 years. You think they could improve on this stuff? But it's pretty much, it felt like the same game but with less charm. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep in mind, I think boxing is coming in the fall. I don't know why it would take them that long to release another game for this because they're all so simple. But boxing given, is... A- uh, given how the sword fighting turned out, maybe they need some extra time for the one-on-one stuff. That could be um, because it is easily the worst of all the mini games. But boxing is coming in the fall. That actually might get you a workout. Um, I remember the first Wii Sports, the boxing in it, was probably the only thing that caused me to break a sweat because mm-hmm. you're constantly punching. Um, but in that case... Get a Quest 2 and play Beat Saber. That's what I would argue. <laughs> um, people are saying Big Dog Nintendo turning in half-finished homework. It's called Milking It. Yeah. Uh, Andy T. Monahan and golf isn't yeah, it. No golf, no baseball. Yeah. Yeah, what else is missing? Archery. Wasn't there archery? In yeah, I think there was. Or was that in Wii Sports that Resort? An, I think that was Resort. Yeah. Well, Arch, Resort had like archery and hang gliding. And yeah. Like I didn't like Wii Sports Resort. I don't think I ever played it. I did play it, but it was a... I thought it paled in comparison to the original. I mean, that's pretty much... uh, Yeah. Oh, Vincent says golf is coming in the fall, not boxing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Mike's Q, thank you for Twitch Prime, man. Appreciate it. 
so anyway, there you go. That's Nintendo Switch Sports. I highly recommend against it unless you live in a big family and you're going to be playing this locally with kids who never were around for the first wave of Wii Sports. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about E3. And we got a little bit of a surprise this week, Matt. We found out that Microsoft is actually going to have its E3 press conference. Same day, same time, same everything as it always has. On June 12th, Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific, just like it always does. And are you surprised by that, first of all? No. I mean, I expected at least some of them to still do some kind of presentation around that time because you've probably been planning it anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, like... You you can't, you know, they canceled E3, but it's not like you can, like, not start on E3 until you find out for sure later. Like, you have to start on that in, like, November uh, in some cases. So, like, you know, the planning on that goes all year to some, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, that kind of, that was kind of the, uh, that's kind of the, the, the conventional wisdom is like, oh, you plan for E3 all year and then you plan for Christmas and then as soon as Christmas is over, you plan for E3, you know? And, um, does this tell you that the ESA was not, forward with what it was its plans were with some of these that's entirely possible yeah Although, uh, to be fair microsoft's not super involved anymore either yeah i mean, they, they, I mean they're, they're, the majority of their show is in their own theater across the street mm-hmm. um and i will be interested to see if they call it an e3 press conference i don't know they're calling it the xbox, xbox and bethesda showcase games showcase. showcase yes so yeah it's just they they already have it kind of in their schedule and books to do a big thing in june and they're just going to do it anyway yeah why not i mean i think there's going to be a lot of that you th- okay that was my next question do you think maybe not on this scale but like i think you're going to see you know people are generally ready to show their new stuff in the summer at the very least there's a whole lot of fall schedule to fill in for mm-hmm. almost every publisher so do you think this might inspire other publishers to do the same to have a press event no or- no You've either you're either re- already prepared to do that by now or you are not it's a little hard to because we're in may yeah, and this is five six weeks from now. Yeah, if you, if you sh- stuff that's shown at E three has been prepared since Thanksgiving. Yeah, like it's it's this is not something they throw together in May. Yeah, you know? like it's uh, you, you plan for this half the year. But did you think that maybe the publishers were planning on E three happening this year and maybe had started kind of down that road and then the cur- the carpet got yanked out from underneath them by the ESA? No, I mean I think. Uh, they were probably were aware because at some point you have to pay your millions of dollars for your booth. Floor space, And if yeah. you weren't being charged for that in January, you'd probably piece something together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, everybody's ready for, like, a, you know, a PR boost in the middle of the year. And uh, there's nothing else coming out. So you might as well uh, kind of use that. I mean, you don't need E3 to do that. You, you can reach everybody through Twitch or YouTube whenever you want. So, you know, it makes sense to kind of have that be a sort of a mid-year thing one way or the other. Maybe you stretch it out like Keeley's doing with the Summer Games Fest. But, like, I think there will always be sort of an expectation and a, uh, like a, a comfort with doing some kind of, hey, this is other new stuff to look forward to sometime in June and July. Yeah. Just to kind of, at the very least, to kind of prime the pump for the holiday hype coming up. Are you surprised that Microsoft is going ahead with it? No, they of at all the same the, day, time, and everything. No, I mean they've already got probably had had on the schedule already. Yeah, you know? had already booked like, the venue, and I mean it's their venue, but I'm sure they have a schedule to keep because other stuff happens. Yeah, because everything else happens there. Yeah, the concerts well use, and 
Because it's like you've got that standing booking every year. You might as well keep it. I mean, who knows? You know, we we both have certainly have experience with the fact that just because the company owns two things doesn't mean those two things work together very well. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. If you've ever had to do anything, if you've ever had to sh- to shoot something at the Disney theme parks, yeah. about another Disney thing, <laughs> you are aware of how two things in the same corporation cannot and do not talk to each other. Yeah. How do you think this is going to play into um, Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest? That'd be fine, you know. Yeah. Has he said anything about when that's happening? I mean, what's going on? Like, it seems like we should know everything that's happening with that by now. I don't know. I mean, it almost sounds like the ESA threw Keighley for a loop. (laughs) Like, he didn't expect it. I mean, I think maybe he didn't. I mean, I think he knew something was coming or maybe nothing or less than something was coming. I don't know. Um, but it does seem like because there's been no real schedule announcements that maybe he knows he can make it bigger now. Maybe he's, he's you know, like, oh, we can we can up this a little bit. Yeah, maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. Um, so and you know, knowing that nobody needs to be at E3 or that maybe people were working on things for E3 and now they don't have an E3 to show it at. Maybe yeah. he's like, oh, I got to go around and ask everybody if they want to show what they're working on for E3 at our thing. Yeah. So like you don't want to announce stuff, you know, maybe you don't want to announce the schedule until you can say what's in it to some degree. Yeah. So you might just be doing last minute booking stuff. Also, it's still a month over a month and a half away. Like, yeah. Like he's got time. Like you don't really want to start hyping something that's appointment viewing until more like maybe 4 weeks out, really. Are you surprised that it didn't also announce that it's doing like a little shindig there in the theater like it does for E3? What? Uh Microsoft? Yeah. So it also has that theater all week, yeah. and you can go over there, and they have kiosks to play games, and there's a huge, like, there's tons of seats for people to sit in. Oh, and- I, I think they're wiser th- wiser than doing that right now, especially yeah. by June. There'd probably be more COVID concerns that's yeah. starting to heat up again. The first person, the first death from PAX East happened today. Really? Uh, a, uh, a volunteer, an unpaid volunteer died from COVID. That they, that got, they got that they got it, it PAX. PAX East. Oh no! And there have been a lot of people that got it from PAX East. There's really? been multiple outbreaks from there. Mm. Um, I don't think that the press conference is going to be like live. No, no, definitely. I think it's going to be no, a gonna Nintendo be like Direct, direct. Yeah. all pre-recorded oh, sure. and snapped together. Oh, definitely. And, yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I have no doubt of that. Yeah. I'm sure they'll shoot it there, but I don't think they're going to gather too many people in one place if they don't have to. Yeah, which I think to your point, you're right. Like, there's no way they're going to do like that thing that they usually do at E3, where they're going to get all these people together because they no, don't want. I don't, I don't think so. they don't want people like us sharing the stories like you just shared about their event, saying all oh, these people went to this Xbox thing and everyone has COVID. And no, I mean, it's been a con- you know that happened at Dice as well. Like, people yeah, came back from Vegas. I mean, that's Vegas though so yeah vegas uh there's no there's never any precautions and ces too yeah when people came back from ces people that we know were on facebook saying i got covid at ces um luckily i didn't hear of anyone getting it seriously or being hospitalized i still feel pretty lucky i didn't get it from that film festival in phoenix yeah so yeah sometimes you you walk away from stuff and it doesn't seem like a big risk at the time and you start thinking about it you're like oh maybe that was actually i know a lot of people have got it have gotten it in the last month or two that like really get it through the whole lock anything you know yeah people are letting their guard down now yeah and most people aren't wearing masks anymore so phoenix there were no man yeah i didn't either i'm just like all right well we're here we're gonna hit let's go for it yeah and uh you dodged the bullet. Didn't. You, know. <laughs> you dodged the bullet. I mean, cases were real low then. It's getting worse again. You know, but at the time, I think it was like 150 cases per 100,000 in L.A. County, and now it's back up to 2,300. Yeah. Like, it's it's pretty much back where it's we were. It's going in the wrong direction again, which sucks. And, uh, so, in the end, um, the ESA might have been kind of right. Uh, we'll see how it goes in the next month and a half uh, and what L.A. County looks like. But, again, bring it, maybe L.A. County isn't the numbers you want to look at. You want to look at the idea of bringing people in internationally. From other from places. From all over the world. Yeah. 
uh, to the convention center. Um, so they might have they might have actually been accidentally prescient about this. I don't think that's really why they did. I think they were they were looking for an excuse to not mm-hmm. have to mount this this year. Okay, they probably would have lost a ton of money. Yeah, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll see plenty of stuff. But I, you know, as you have noted it will probably be dragged out across a couple of months so it won't feel like a big blast of e3 information it'll just be like a slow drip feed yeah it doesn't feel like we're gonna get like a little mini e3 it feels like no, microsoft no. is gonna be the only thing now we can hope that microsoft's doing this in part because they have a lot of stuff to show mm-hmm. you know like finally they're, they're it pr- should i mean yeah they should be at a point where a whole bunch of their stuff from their new studios is about ready to have a first showing kind yeah. of thing you know, the very yeah we at the very least like it's probably time to see something beyond the teaser trailer for Fable right and things like yeah. that yeah you know, maybe you have actual well no you first don't, gameplay of Forza Motorsport maybe something like that I was gonna say you probably don't have first gameplay of uh, State of Decay three nope uh, that's not that's not going <laughs> that's too not well. happening that's for sure maybe you have a more more uh, in depth thing on Hellblade Avowed um, finally show some gameplay nice for Avowed maybe. A- yeah. yeah, something from Avowed, probably a big thing of Starfield. Def- I mean, Starfield's going to be the closer, is my guess. I would think so. I would th- That's the big... There's nothing bigger. That's the 800-pound gorilla, really. Yep. Uh, just so you guys know, that we will be here um, covering the Microsoft Press Conference Live, which means we'll be doing live commentary over it, and then we'll do some analysis afterwards. So I give that to look forward to. We'll have at least a little taste of E3 in 2022. Um, whereas I thought, honestly, Matt, I thought we were going to get none. So I'll take it. Um, thank you, Microsoft. Thank you, Xbox, uh, for still doing a little something-something for those of us who are going to miss E3, although I, I realize a lot of you guys aren't. Although it does feel like it's kind of split down the middle 50-50, people who are going to miss E3 versus people who just don't care at all. Yeah, I don't really um, care. Yeah, you're, well, even our show here I, is split 50-50. Yeah. You're I mean, on I, one side, I'm on the other. I mean, I'll miss Patrick's party, Yeah, but that's, I won't miss E3. Yeah. Like, those, are, those are two I'll different things. Um, but at least we're going to get a little bit of a taste of it, and we will be here covering it mm-hmm. live, so get Vincent, excited. Vincent also makes a good point. Uh, it could open with Starfield and close with a surprise. That's true. Like, yeah. maybe it's time to see Fable for real. Yeah, that's true. I could see them doing that. Too. I mean, we haven't really seen anything of Starfield. No, I mean that no. trailer that they put out is nothing. But like starting it with a bang, with like here's Starfield, here's yeah. what you're gonna be playing in November. Like yeah. here it is, and then at the end of the show, they're like, oh, by the way, here's this other thing that you'll be playing yeah. next fall or whatever. Yeah, or like next spring. Like well, it, yeah. this is actually happening. I mean, somewhere, Xbox is gonna have a lot to yeah, show somewhere in there. I imagine you have to talk about a Halo Infinite or Infinity or whatever the hell's called. I don't even remember <laughs> what it's named anymore. I don't know. You might want to just let that sleeping dog die. Nah, I think you gotta you, you gotta address that. There's, some, I mean, they haven't they've. They got a lot of work to do on that thing. Uh, Vincent is asking if we're going to do live coverage of Keeley's main stage show. Um, maybe. Even, whatever it is. I like, first of all, we need to figure out when it is, what yeah. it is. As we get closer, we'll make those decisions once we figure out if it's worth covering. Um, no disrespect to Jeff, but most of his events, save for the Game Awards, really aren't worth covering live in the past. Mm-hmm. They haven't been. Uh, because he used to get kind of some, he would get some big stuff, but mostly he'd get kind of the scraps. Yeah. Uh, the other stage like shows get. and certainly like in terms of like how they run he runs those shows they tend to be like long interviews and sort of sitting around i mean i guess we could do that but you'd have to accept that like we would be in and out of this room like yeah like, it would be more like we're hanging out and occasionally stick our heads in the, yeah because like, remember like, like last year he did this thing where like he was pretty, okay today i have this 10 minute interview with tony hawk yeah. i'm gonna put it up on my youtube channel for summer games fest it wasn't like this big event um, but if that changes, and that's and it could, because he has the run of the mill now. He can pick and choose what he wants in his shows. It, he should have plenty of content to make something big. And if that is the case, then we probably will cover it live. But mm-hmm. uh, just stay tuned. We'll let you know as we get closer. We'll let you know what we're going to do. Um, 
Yeah, Vincent says last year was Elden Ring and a lot of filler. But again, he was competing with other outlets, other stage shows for content. And this year, he's really not. So he could deliver something really awesome. Yeah. I would not say something as big as the Game Awards. I think no, that might be a stretch. I imagine a lot of it will be remote. I don't think it's going to be a lot of in-person stuff. I also wonder, too, if a lot of publishers will try to hold stuff for Gamescom. Maybe. Where they have people and it's more yeah. alive. And that's starting to seem dicey as hell to me now. Going to yeah. Gamescom, man, like... Like, most people go to Gamescom when there wasn't a pandemic and come home sick. Like, I remember I would send my guys to Germany, and mm-hmm. I just knew that most of them, well, first of all, they're going to be crazy jet lag when they get back. Oh, yeah. But at least three of them were going to be sick. Oh, yeah, it happened. I mean, everywhere. I got, but one, was it, 2007 TGS, I got sicker than I, like, it was one of the, some of the sickest I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember a couple of days there. Yeah. And I, I was, like, the one That's who, the worst, doing be, being sick that far from home. Yeah, and I was, I was stuck in the <laughs> hotel room where everybody else went, but, like, they still needed scripts, so, like, I was writing scripts for them, uh-huh. like, and, and emailing them to our coordinating producer. Yeah. And, like... When they all got back near the end of the the one of the day, and I felt better, and I I'd gone down to the bar and like was getting something to eat because I'd been like just sort of delirious in the hotel room all day, and I apologized to her for like I'm sorry I didn't you know wasn't able to get you all those you know, like a bunch of the scripts for this and this, and she's like yeah you did you forgot like, and she's like you sent me this and I'm like I, I have no memory of writing or sending any of them that's like, crazy three like three of the booth tours were written by something in, <laughs> something in here that does not remember doing that like that's that was, when you know you're sick. Oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, again, it is good to get at least a little taste of E3. Um, And honestly, probably of the three, Xbox probably would have the most to show. I would hope so. Like, if I had to choose between the three pressers. Also, like, my my God, if you're going to do that anyway, if you're going to stand up and be like, we're still doing our thing, like, you better deliver. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. I hope so. We'll be here. The timing is right. It is. This is it. Yeah, this is where all these purchases Microsoft has made start to come to fruition. Yeah, if 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 E three was still happening, we would definitely be expecting Microsoft to come out swinging, blow the doors off. Yep. So anyway, there you go. There's going to be a little bit of E three this year, which is really exciting. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about what I hinted at earlier when someone brought up Balan Wonder World. (laughs) We're going to talk about Yuji Naka, and I will say this: it may be the last time, Matt, you and I talk about Yuji Naka on anything. Ever. Maybe. I'd bring up uh I, I bring up Billy Hatcher and the giant egg once in a while just to remind people that that bullshit happened. That was the beginning of his downward trajectory. That you can draw a straight line from Billy Hatcher to Balan Wonderworld. You I can. Think. And in between there there was Billy Ro- Hatcher was a real game though. I'll it was that, yeah. in comparison to, to And there was a middle step in there too. There was that Rodea the Sky Soldier. Yeah, I never played that. It was one of the worst games I've ever played. I think I own that. Only to be eclipsed by Balan Wonderworld. Yeah. Which is the worst game that I've played in a really uh, long time. Now, Rodea Sky Soldier at least was pretty. Not the game, but like the art for it. Like yeah, the, technically it wasn't, but no, the game artistically, wasn't pretty, but artistically, like it, like the cover and like the concept art, like oh yeah, that's really nice. I like that. Balan cannot make that claim. It wasn't like this. This is the weirdest. Not only is it the worst game, uh, it is also the weirdest game ever made. It does kind of look like the Wii Sports characters uh-huh. if they like been starved for a month. Yeah. <laughs> I still have no idea what any of this has to do with the actual game, Balan Wonderworld. No clue. It's like one of their animators was like, hey, I figured out how to animate windmills, yeah. which is the breakdancing movie does. Well, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, knights 
in here yeah, yeah. in terms of that. And like the the concept of like two characters, a boy and a girl, and one of them is like a street kind of sporty guy, and the girl is street more artistic. Ruffian. Yeah, I mean, the, the nights even <laughs> starts with him like you know washing out on the basketball team, and she, you know like it's they're playing basketball and failing or whatever. Um, and the girl wants to be an actress or a singer, and like that's pretty much the same thing happening in this. This game is so bad, and people are wondering like. What happened? How did this game become terrible? I mean, if you know Yuji oh, Naka, she's, she's the abused maid in this. That's right. That was that was, she's <laughs> she's not a singer. She's in she's a she's an, she's an, uh, a the help or like yeah. Like Yuji's been floating along on his sonic reputation for a really really long time. But if you paid attention, Blonde Wonderworld didn't come out of nowhere. Oh no, not at all. Um, he has been on this downward trajectory for li- literally like fifteen or twenty years at this point. Billy Hatcher was what two thousand one. No, nah, that was late. It was like three. Was it? It was. It was GameCube exclusive. Early GameCube. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we and were, from then, we were, we were in San Francisco, but the, the GameCube had, was going. Yeah. Was so happening. it's been like twenty years that he's just steadily been going downhill. So this wasn't that big of a surprise to me. How bad it was was a surprise. Well, Yuji Naka finally came out today, or this week rather, and explained from his perspective what he believes happened to the game. And did you see this story, Matt? I saw some of it, but, like, it was too sad. It it is sad. So, basically, what happened was six months away from release, Square Enix started pushing back on him. He, Mm -hmm. they were working with an outside studio. I can see why. Even Square knew this was bad. Well, that's what I'm getting at. (laughs) So, at about six months out from when it was supposed to be released, they were working with an outside studio. And the outside studio had been delivering buggy code for the game. And Yuji Naka was pushing back and saying, no, you need to go back and you need to get this right. You need to send it to us again. Which, if you're two years out from release or 18 months out from release, sure. Mm. That makes sense. You're still, at that point, you still have an opportunity to make the game much better. So, yeah, you send back code then. When you're six months out from release and you start getting nitpicky over it, that's when red flags start to go up. And Square Enix was like, wait a minute, like... This game's supposed to be released in six months. It knew as well as anybody the game was going to be a piece of crap and really weird and wasn't going to sell at that point. There was another issue where basically one of the song one of the songs from the soundtrack was released on YouTube or something like that, but it wasn't from the OST. It was like a reworked version by like a fan or something like that. And Square Enix put it out and Yuji got really angry. He said, this isn't how you do things. You need to put out the official soundtrack. He, he had some line in his tweets that said, like, this isn't what people are going to be humming. They're going to hum the original soundtrack. So he, No one's going to be humming anything. Rigged, exactly. So he was basically butting heads with Square Enix as its game is supposed to be coming down the home stretch. It's supposed to be six months out. And he blames the quality of the game on... He First, he says it's unfinished, which I don't uh. know if it is, honestly. It definitely feels unfinished. You think it does? Yeah. Or do you think it's just bad? I think it's both. Because there's a difference. I think it's both. Like, it's definitely so rough around the... Even if you were just trying to make what it is, it's so rough around those edges that it's clearly not done. I mean, it could have been polished, yeah, but I mean, I don't... I don't think polish would have made any difference for this game, is what I'm getting at. I think it could have, but like... Because when I think about what I did with this game is bad, I don't think about, like, bugs where it crashed or things didn't work the way they were supposed to. I it's mean, just... I do because I got stuck in shit all the time. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Oh, that never happened to I me. I had to re- restart levels because of that a couple oh, really? times. Oh, really? Which is like, you do not want to do any of this again. Yeah, oh, no. 
<laughs> this is one of those games where you get through a level and you're like, shoo, it's like yeah. relief. Oh it's, it's not your excited. But also like like despair at how many things you didn't get because you didn't have the right equipment or the right character. Oh, right. Or or you didn't have the right character like, to morph into or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so from his perspective, though, the game was released unfinished and the game was terrible and people hate it because of the last six months of development where Square... Oh, no, the- the problems in this game go all the way to the core. Yeah, they go from day yeah. one. Like this game, the six, if they had delayed this game another year, I don't think it would have made any difference. No. Well, because it's like the, you know, yes, it's unfinished and it's unpolished and it's, it's like it doesn't feel good to play, etc. But like a lot of the other flaws and all the other bad ideas like go straight back to everything else he's made for the last 20 years. It does. It, they're all, it's the same stuff he's been doing. Like too much of the problem, too many of the problems are in character for his body of work since the 2000s. Exactly. Like it's very hard to see that like what a difference the last six months would have made. No, it would have made no difference whatsoever. Like it would have been non-buggy and polished crap. Right. But it still would have been crap. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't... I don't imagine a fixed version of this being a better game. I don't either. It still would have got like a three or a four Metacritic. Like it's it's a bad game. Like it's just a, a bad game with a bad, a bad concept. Game full of bad ideas. Yeah, it's it's a bad concept. It's got bad art. It's got bad ideas. It it feels like a game that was. It feels like Yuji Naka, like went to the Amazon back in two thousand one and has been there for the last seventeen years. Completely locked away from all society and all video games. And then he returns and somebody stupidly hands him a development team to make a game. Now, mm. Square Enix is... Like this a, would only have been impressive if you showed it to me on the launch of the Dreamcast. Right, right. Like, Square Enix isn't completely innocent in this. Because it was dumb enough to look at his ideas for this game and give him a development team and a budget to make it. So I'm not absolving Square like Enix. A of, whole company. I know. To make, like, I know. They named the company it was after called Balon. So look, Square Enix, dumb. But here's what I think happened, Matt. And you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think Square Enix saw this game was a piece of crap a long time ago. I mean, given the, his story, it really sounds like they saw what they saw what it was. The writing was on the wall, yeah. and they're like, "No, dude. Like, we just need to finish this game and get it out and get over it and forget about it as quickly as humanly possible." And he was like, no, 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 this is my baby, and I and it's going to be great. No, and they're they, like... Square clearly saw it was time to cut bait. Yeah, they cut bait. And, and Yuji Naka... I can't disagree with that. No, I can't either. I would have done the same damn thing. And Yuji Naka was completely oblivious to what was going on. Like, I don't think he's lying, Matt. Like, I don't think... No, I don't I don't think he's, he's making this up to cover his... I think he really does believe it. I yeah. just think he's wrong. I think he really believes that in, like, the last... In, in like, the last six months, he could have turned yeah. this from a terrible game into an amazing game. He used some example for, like... I think it was, like, the second Sonic the Hedgehog. He's like, when we were working on the second Sonic, you know, we came up with this idea in the last three months of development. It's like... Dude, that's not how games work anymore. That's not how game development works anymore. And that was a risk even then. Yeah. Like, you're running on a genesis here, dude. Dude, that's not how it works. You have teams of, like, dozens of people working on this. It's like the Titanic heading towards the iceberg. You need to see that iceberg 18 months ahead. There is no way this minigame is finished. There is no... This is placeholder shit. I don't don't think so, Matt. 
It I is. think it's exactly what he wanted it no, to be. No, I don't think it is. I think because it doesn't make any sense. Like there, I none of his games do anymore. No, but this is like this doesn't make any sense that this is like what you thought this was supposed to be. Like, <laughs> Lined up the silhouette with the character model. Like again, this is from like 2001, dude. Especially because like there's only he only has two moves. I... Like at the very least, if this was finished, I think he'd have a different move set in each of these things. There's only one per level. Like. Or one per world, even. It's, I don't think it's one per level. I think it's 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 it screams like that's enough to call it done. You know, <laughs> like it's it's. Cinetype says, um, and yet Square Enix sells a bunch of competent studios. Now, to be fair, this studio was dissolved immediately. Yeah, they, and Yuji Naka was fired, and he they it, knew this wasn't worth anything. <laughs> he also claims that he was barred from discussing the game with anyone online that once he kind of had that falling out he was called into hr and hr was like by the way you're not allowed to talk about this game on social media anymore all right i mean i can understand why you want a conversation about this game to go away yes as quickly as humanly possible um and he then he filed a lawsuit against them basically for wrongful termination over this (laughs) it's like dude you can't see that square enix was trying to give you a way out Mm mm-hmm Instead, you took offense to it, and you're trying to blame Square Enix for this god-awful game that you created. It's... He is so clueless. What happened to him? Bilbo Naka, I am not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you, as Gandalf might say. Yeah. What happened to him? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I... I don't know. Like, he made a couple of my favorite games back in the day. Like, this, I love the first couple Sonics... I love Knights. Knights is Knights would probably be in my top twenty still, um, of all time. Uh, and then uh, and you know, and, uh, he worked with uh, uh, Fantasy Star. Yep. Online and a bunch. Of, yeah. Great stuff for a long time. And then uh, like the really the 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 age of three D began in earnest, and he just never made anything. He couldn't good do again. it. Yep. He couldn't do it. I know a lot of people will say, oh, what about Sonic Adventure? I do not think Sonic Adventure is all that great of a game. I think it's a good tech no. demo for the Dreamcast. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive at the time. Uh, I do I do have a nostalgic spot for it, and I do I, I like 2 better. Um, and certainly 2 had an impact on the Sonic brand. Uh, I don't know if it's really very good. Um, but they were very weird, and I think the best you can say about the Sonic Adventures is they were certainly a direction to try going in in those early days of 3d games Mm -hmm. it just i think it proved uh, in the end it proved that that was not the direction anyone was going in (laughs) nuke taylor says this game doesn't look that bad to me okay (laughs) okay well like i said it takes all kinds (laughs) but uh, i think it's metacritic ended up being like a three or something like that yeah that's about right somewhere around there that's about right based upon what i played of it that's for sure yeah um it's it's you're right though he is one of the developers that struggled in the transition from 2d to 3d and never made it out the other side really Mm -hmm. because he was you got to remember too like he disappeared for a long time yeah like because he he tried to become like sega's miyamoto so Mm -hmm. during the dreamcast era and then the dreamcast died and sega went multi-platform he was kind of the miyamoto at sega he was kind of because they were for a while it was kind of a competition of like who's going to be the sega miyamoto is it going to be him or is it going to be yu suzuki yu suzuki and then yu suzuki made shenmue so that was the end of that yep and and then like and then yuji naka was like kind of last man standing and then he just never made anything good again 
Um, Billy Hatcher sort of took the bloom off that egg. But he also so. kind of killed Sega because he was also overseeing all Sega's output now that it was third party. And most of that crap didn't do well either. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up getting washed out of Sega for the most part after that, like, bumpy period where Sega this first went multi-platform. one of the most annoying things about this game is you can't jump. Yeah, and it's a, unless, 3D, it's a 3D platform where you, you can't jump! A, you, only certain characters can jump. Yeah, it's absurd. It's, it's awful. Like, it's one thing if, like, certain characters get, like, the ability to jump... Really high. Really high, but everybody should be able to jump. Because the other weird thing that happens is there's only one button. Every yep. button well, right. on the I controller does the that. same thing. Yeah, I forgot about that. And if you don't have an a-, a character active, all the buttons do the same thing, which is nothing. It's amazing. It's, it's just, amazingly awful. It's, it's just so weird. Like it's, it's like, it's so amateur hour on every level, and I don't understand how it happens. But here we are. I don't understand how a lot of things happen with with yeah. the, with the history of history of Naka. So he disappeared. He started his own studio. Like he really never put out anything of consequence until Rodea. Rodea got bombed by critics. He disappeared again, and then shows up and say, and uh, Square Enix just gives him a ton of money to make this terrible game. And now he says that he is going to learn how to program again, and he's going to make mobile games on his own or retire. I'll, I'll go for that second one. Yeah. Dude. That's Peter Molyneux. Is that, that's a Peter Pretty Molyneux much, model. Yeah. <laughs> it's where it's like, I'm just going to go make mobile games where people don't care, and I'm not going to get harassed by people every time I do something stupid. <laughs> so it, it, it appears that Yuji Naka's career is over, and it also appears that his shining moment will probably be Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I, would, I mean, Sonic is that fair? Sonic. I mean, yeah, he created Sonic. He's one of the creators. I think that's a pretty good legacy. Yeah. Um, we just won't talk about any of the rest of this stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's depressing, man. Yeah. I mean, Sonic and Knights are two pretty great contributions to, to the medium. I mean, he was a god for a while in the games industry. Yeah. He was right. I mean, a lot of some people, there were arguments of who's better, Miyamoto or Yuji Naka. Yeah. Like, those discussions were had. Yeah. And now it's absurd. <laughs> but back then, it didn't seem so absurd. And now it is. It's a shame, honestly. Like, the other thing, too, about it is that he's a really good guy. Yeah, he is a very nice man. Like, the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. Like, every time I've met him, he's been crazy respectful. And, I mean, Japanese yep. people in general are this way. In general, but even for but Japanese Even for Japanese folks. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, to my crews that would go shoot with it. He was just yeah. always, he would sign autographs. He would oh, do yeah. whatever. One, one time I interviewed him on the floor of E3 and... Uh, Obviously, some people started realizing who he was, standing there in his impeccably tailored tan suit. Yep. <laughs> and um, after the interview, he just sort of stepped back and waited for everyone to approach him and stood there and talked and signed and did took pictures with every single yeah. person until no one was left. He's a good like, dude, but he's just... The fact that he couldn't see that six months out was too late to fix a yeah. game that was terrible, or that he could not see that the game was terrible already and there was no saving it at yeah, that point. It just shows you. I mean, he just, he's out of touch with modern game development, and unfortunately, it came out in Balan Wonderworld, so. I mean, you can't, I can see the evolution of his body of work to that game, and it's just, yeah, that was, that was always a dead end. Yeah, you can connect the dots between all those mm-hmm. games. You can see Billy Hatcher in that game. You see Knights, Billy Hatcher. All of it. All, yeah, it's all in there. Yeah. And I know, and a weird, somewhere in there, that uh, Kid Chameleon game really made an impression on him, I guess, because that is, <laughs> that is a... An update of that game, too. Yeah. Yep. So, anyway, there you go. Fallen hero, really, or fallen game god, Yuji Naka. 
You think we'll see him again? You think he's going to retire? You think he's going to make maybe we'll see that mobile, mobile game? Mobile I, I don't know what that'll look like. <laughs> um, I just I wonder someone his age who has done this all his life. What do you do? Like, where do you go? I don't know. I mean, maybe he's wealthy enough that he doesn't have to work again. I don't know. Um, I don't know how those early 16-bit developers, if they actually made a lot of money off of mm-hmm. those games, I, I don't know um, what kind of payments they I would they imagine made. they've been paid pretty well and probably have stock options in the company mm-hmm. and stuff. I, mean, I don't know how, how good that works out for you at Sega. Right. Nintendo, it could work out very well, but at Sega, not so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have a feeling we may never see him again. I think this might be it. Um I probably should have went and looked and and checked to see if he was interacting with people over this game now because he mm-hmm. so he sued Square Enix and now whatever happened with that is resolved and he can talk to fans he can explain what happened now so it'll be interesting to see if he actually interacted with people and what, how what, how people are treating him actually mm-hmm. if because you know the internet can be a tough place <laughs> for anyone. Uh, if you just made a game that was that bad, it can be brutal. So hopefully people are at least being respectful. Because the guy does deserve respect. He did some amazing things. It's just been a really long time since he has. So He's not, he's not that old. How old is he? 60? Um, he is... He was born in 65. So he's nine years older than me. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So he's not even 60 yet. Yeah, 10, he's 11 years older than me. Okay. Yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, he's like 57, yeah. 56. Wow. He's not that old. That's too young to retire, man. So we'll see. Maybe he will come back, but I wouldn't get too excited about it. Soundboy says his net worth is 1.4 to 1.5 million. Not quite enough to retire on. Yeah. yeah especially depend- depending on how much of that is, like, if he owns a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he has a house in Tokyo, he'd worth- be worth a lot more than that. Yeah. Property values are insane. I mean, one of the, I think one of the obstacles, ob- the objectives, if you're successful in, in Tokyo, is to not live directly in Tokyo. Yeah. You go to one of those nice little, like, castle hotels. Outer prefects and mm-hmm. outer prefectures and live in one of those places that looks, like, nice and homey, but it's, like, one train ride in. Right, right. Know? And then if you get stuck in a city, you stay at a capsule hotel or yeah. whatever. Kind of like where uh, kind of like where Polyphony is. Yeah. Like, Polyphony is in a really nice, like, little neighborhood that you never know you're in one of the biggest cities in the world. Yeah. Yeah, but you're it's right. Like, 10 minutes from the center of Tokyo. Tokyo's like that, though. You yeah. can find these little enclaves where it feels more, way more yeah. rural than it actually That's is. That's what happens when you design a city for people to live in it. That's true. Rather than cars to drive around in it. Yeah, that's true. Yep, okay, let's You'll move see on. see what urban planning looks like? Go to Japan. Yeah, yep. They know what they're doing. Yep. Uh, so PlayStation Plus has been a topic in the industry, a big topic in the industry now for the last couple months. Everyone's been wondering what PlayStation is going to do to try to compete with Game Pass. And we kind of have that answer now. We know that there's a three-tiered system, and the bottom tier is what we've all been paying for all along. And then there's a middle tier, and then the top tier is basically PlayStation Now and all the lower stuff as well. Well, Sony, it had mentioned, and I didn't think it was a big deal at the time, that it had, when it mentioned this, was that a part of the premium tier, the most expensive tier, which is 18 bucks a month, and then what was it, a year, 120 or 140 or something? Something like that. I don't yeah. remember. Um, but the highest tier also has this thing called timed game trials. And I think we may have just brought it up briefly when we talked about it. I think we were scared that that meant they were going to take away playable demos from everybody. And you're going to have to pay that highest tier to get any kind of demos. And I think we we talked it out. And we were like, no, that doesn't make sense because Xbox is still going to have demos. And there's no way they're just going to let Xbox give away free demos. It's a weird thing to lock behind a paywall. Right. Well, this week we found out what Sony is talking about. And basically, it is 
the ability to play any game for the first two hours for free. Hmm. Which, pretty big deal, although it's not that out of the ordinary. One could argue that a lot of games, that's all I play of them sometimes. Yeah, well, depending on how good or yeah. how bad they are, really. Um, I but mean, it's, Babylon's Fall barely got that much time out of me. <laughs> but it's not out of the ordinary because Steam lets you play the first two hours of games and you can return you them it, if you yeah. don't like them. So it's not that out of the ordinary. What is out of the ordinary is that Sony announced this week, or I don't remember if they announced it or if it leaked, that every game has to have a free trial that's two hours long. Hmm. And, pl- and it's not just something that Sony is doing in the back end, where, okay, we have this file. The game's less than two hours long. Right. Well, so the caveat is that the only games that have to do this have to cost $34 or more wholesale. So basically, it's only full-price AAA mm-hmm. games that have to do it. Indie games do not have to do it, um, which good because if, you're right there are some games that are you're if you're giving away two hours you're giving away maybe the whole game in some cases but the the catch is this is not something that happens on the back end where the developer or publisher supplies the game code the finished game that they're selling and then like sony just slaps a timer on it that cuts you off after two hours they're asking the developers and the publishers to supply these special Two hour game trial versions, essentially yeah, saying you decide where the cutoff is, basically. Well, but also putting the burden on the publisher and the developer to create mm-hmm. this stuff, an extra hoop to jump through that you don't have to jump through on other platforms if you want your games to be sold on PlayStation platforms. How do you feel about this, Matt? Do you think it's smart? I mean, it seems kind of a dumb idea. Um, I don't think it's going to be all that impactful in terms of, I mean, it feels like that's pretty, you know, just cut that off or what. It's probably not a hard ask, but I don't know, I guess. I mean, I don't, it's, it, I, it's, it's weird to me. It's not, I don't care so much about making the developer make a fake demo kind of thing so much as like, is that a thing people will pay a premium tier for like that's well, it's one to me. out of a bunch of things that's in that tier yeah but there's not much else in that tier that i would even consider using unless you really desperately want to play some old ps1 games that were already available on ps3 and you're probably going to stream them most of yeah. the time <laughs> let's be honest it appears that most of that stuff is going to be handled with streams and yeah. not real emulation not, not uh, installment yeah it's which is a huge downside mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it does certainly doesn't move the needle for me in terms of eh yeah, I get. Mm. Do you think publishers and developers are will push back on this, or will be bothered by it at all? I don't know. Some of them probably. Maybe it's just more work to do. Right. For the for the benefit of what people to people to play your game for free until they realize they want to buy it. Like exactly while money for this it? is what I was getting at. <laughs> You're figuring it out. <laughs> to me, if I'm a developer or a publisher, I hate this. Now I do realize that on Steam, this is kind of the the way it goes. This is the lay of the land. And I'm sure there's a lot of indie developers that don't like that about Steam either. Because I don't think Steam even has a cutoff. I think Steam is like two hours, even for indie games. If you don't like it, you can return it and get yeah. your money back. I know plenty of people who finished games in less than two hours and then refunded Returned it and got their money back. Yeah. You would think they would at least check for that. Like I think it's just a universal system. Like They don't really yeah. they don't get into that kind of nuance. Like They yeah. don't check your achievements. Yeah. You would think that maybe Steam would be like, look, you, every game needs to have an achievement for finishing the game. And if somebody... Pops that achievement. Uh, you've, you've already put too much more effort into it than Steam ever will. It's too much work. Steam doesn't care. <laughs>
Um, you think they would because that's allowing people to get a refund and they're losing money on it. So you would think that they would want to. I don't think that happens all that often. Yeah. There, I mean, let's be honest. There aren't too many games that you can finish in two hours. But there are lots of games where you could play half of them in two hours. Yeah. Like, a lot. There's a lot of indie games that are four hours or less. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say maybe the bulk of them are. Yeah. Seems to me, anyway. A lot of, I mean, I don't know about the bulk of them, but, like, I mean, a lot of them are, like, endless things. Yeah. I had one of those this week. It feels um, like a strong-arm tactic by Sony, because Sony knows... There's no way they're going to be like, you know what? Screw you. I'm not releasing our games on PlayStation anymore. Yeah. And Sony is playing its leverage and saying, look, we know you have to work with us. Mm -hmm. And so I don't care how pissed off you are that you have to jump through this extra hoop to release games on our platform. You're going to do it. Yeah. At the same time, like if if Capcom doesn't want to doesn't want to do their trial for Monster Hunter World 2. Is Sony not going to let them put Monster Hunter on PlayStation? Like, I feel like I feel like Sony doesn't hold all the cards on this. One. Well, here's the other part of this: is the publishers and developers have three months from the day the game is released to get that demo, that two-hour demo, up on PlayStation Network. Mm. So, do you mean to tell me that if, using your example, the new Monster Hunter comes out and it sells like crazy? on PlayStation, on the PlayStation Store, and Sony's made all this money off of it, making its cut off of each sale, and then you get to that three-month mark and Capcom still hasn't delivered that two-hour demo? Are you going to drop Capcom off of your platform? I, I don't think so. I mean, at that point, you probably just slap a two-hour timer on the thing and let them play it. But that's the point. Like, Sony, according to Sony anyway, it can't do that. It I can't bet do- that's what it's going to end up being. That's, <laughs> exactly. That's what I think is going to happen. I think there's going to be all... I don't think Sony has thought this one through, just like it didn't think through anything else with these PlayStation Plus tiers. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. This feels like it's just all been thrown together hap- haphazardly, yeah. slapdash. A lot of it feels like you guys were just coming up with things in the meeting to yeah. come up with things in the meeting. And you didn't really brainstorm them and be like, okay, let's see what happens on down the road here with this stuff. Like, that's exactly what's going to happen, Matt. They are going to start this program. They're going to realize that they don't hold all the cards, in fact. And if they want to do what's best for business, they're not going to be able to hold these publishers and developers accountable for this. And they're going to be like, you know what? We're just going to figure out a solution on the back end. Just give us the final code for the game. And we'll slap some kind of a timer on the back end and problem solved. And you guys are off the hook. You don't have to do anything anymore. It's this is Erebus Jones says the PS Store team is going to make the two-hour demo. That's not what Sony has said. It said it's on the developer and the publisher. To, this is, this is the it. leaker who broke the story. It says it's the PS Store team that's supposed to produce the demo. That's not what the story said. Hmm. Huh. That's not what the story said that we had on Sifted. That's mm-hmm. for sure. So maybe there was a follow-up or whatever? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Soundboy says Sony needs Jack Trenton back. Are you surprised, though, that Sony does seem to be flying by the seat of its pants on a lot of stuff anymore? Not really. I mean, they certainly not with their online service. They don't seem, really seem to know what to do with that and haven't for a while. Um, now creating this tier. Like I've, I've said before, I think all the all the tier system stuff they're doing here is just an attempt to sort of have things in place if Game Pass becomes the, the law of the land. Yeah. That's all. It's like a fallback, a safety net. Yeah, it's just so the infrastructure's there if, they ever, if this becomes the way you have to compete. Hmm. 
What's Nintendo's doing then? Nintendo's doing what <laughs> Nintendo always does, their own thing. It knows it doesn't have to worry about it because it has its fans in the bag. They're going to buy its products yeah, no matter what. You can't get Mario anywhere else, so they don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Um, so you don't think this is a sign that like PlayStation's starting to slip a little bit? I mean, no more than it already is. I mean, it, it's I, I can't possibly care less about the top tier of PlayStation Plus than I already don't. Yeah. So, no, it doesn't really move any... You know, Oh boy, another dumb thing at the top tier that I'm not going to subscribe to is basically my reaction to that. Well, I think Sony is starting to get that just, Matt, because I don't know if you've seen, but like the way it is taking existing subscriptions for PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now and then giving people that top tier, the premium tier, is mm-hmm. very generous. Mm-hmm. Which is a hint to me that it realizes that, hey, this premium tier probably isn't going to get a whole lot of pickup. So if we can convince people to just naturally be grandfathered into it and then maybe once they get in there we can convince them to stay or they'll just forget to cancel or whatever forgetting to cancel is a very valid business it's tool legit with with subscriptions these days yeah. i do it i have so many subscriptions to stuff like netflix i there are months two three months will go by that i don't even open up netflix mm-hmm. and i've just been paying that subscription all along like there should be something in place where if you don't use something it just automatically unsubscribes until you... Nobody would ever implement that. Well, no, no, I'm saying there should be laws like where it need, it's forced oh, to be no. implemented in a service or something. That would be a very that would be a very different universe. It would be. Yeah. <laughs> One where we'd spend a lot less money. A, con- that's a, consumer, for sure. a consumer facing... Yeah, yeah, yeah that laws, would, that's mm, never going to happen. No. God bless capitalism. Um, but anyway, it just, it just feels like these stories keep coming up where it looks like Sony is asleep at the wheel a little bit, which is weird to me as the market leader, but maybe it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Because there has been a lot of evidence across the years where Sony does become arrogant when it's successful, and it does start dropping the ball a little bit here and there. Um, so I don't know if that's what's happening now, if it's a sign of it, but this whole new PlayStation Plus thing, it just seems like it's just been slapped together without mm-hmm. a whole lot of foresight. Yeah, doesn't like there's certainly nothing in the higher tiers, the mid or the high tier that like why? Yeah. Like, I haven't met anyone who wants to do anything but just stick with the same PlayStation Plus they've had no. all along. Yeah. No, there's nothing of interest there. Yeah. I mean, even those old PS1 games, yeah. like I have no interest in playing those. Any, None. Any PS1 games that I ever, I would ever want to play again, I own. Or I got in the micro console, the little mini PS1. Yeah, not like, too many. <laughs> You know, I kept my 10. collection. I still have a bunch of digital ones on the PS3. Like, I don't, I don't That's need enough. some weird PS Now thing. Yeah, me either. So it'll be interesting to see how this does. But you may be right. Sony may not care about how it does. It may just be like, look, we just need to have this yeah. stuff in place in yeah, case. Yeah, I think that's all it is. Is like put things in place, break gl- glass in case of emergency keep, type keep thing. The you know, keep the people subscribing now on the same tier. We don't lose anything. If anybody wants to bump it up for some ungodly reason, that's just more money for them. Yep. So. Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about another game that one of us played this week. Hmm. There's only two, and I'm not a big fan of this subgenre, and Matt is, so it's perfect that you decided to play it. It's what, a, what subgenre? Uh, Rogue roguelikes, yeah. Oh, I don't like roguelikes. Oh, you don't like them? I no. thought you did. I like very specific ones. I like, uh, like Hades and Returnal was good. No, these yeah. are, I find most of these tedious and annoying. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, we're on the same squad on that one. And uh, this one is not particularly different. It's not. Um, this is Rogue Legacy 2, by the way. Yeah. A lot of people say the first Rogue Legacy is like the greatest roguelike ever. Is that not true? Uh, not by a remote... Ch- not, no. Like, really? I, I mean, I, I 
it's not bad. I don't. It doesn't do anything for me. Um, like I get, I get why people kind of like it, but like, I mean, part of the problem I have with Rogue Legacy and Rogue Legacy Two is I think the art style is repulsive. Like I just absolutely hate how this, how both of these games look. What do you hate about it? It just seems like cartoony whatever yeah i just think it looks stupid oh and i don't like the anime like, like the the guy like the character you play as tends to run around like leaning back like running with a sword i'm just like just it just i just i just think it looks dumb well let's take a look at it um, we can decide uh what's up with this game what's the story behind it now obviously the first one people liked a whole lot why did people yeah. like the first one so much like it was the first one to really codify like the uh you know the rogue light idea like the action platformer action adventure roguelite where like you didn't have to like you know it wasn't like a darkest dungeon like slog of like just pure punishment mm-hmm. it was like oh fun run around you know hack and slash platformer oh you died now you got to be a different character with some different twists to him and the, the map's different and like is that what's was, up with this game yeah pretty much so like so this is very similar to the first one um you play uh you play a, like a an adventurer knight kind of guy and you go through a Castlevania-style maze, and you kill things and pick up loot and uh, hopefully fight bosses if you unlock their their rooms. And uh, if you die, you uh, go back to your home base castle place, and you have to pick uh, your descendant. You have to pick your... You Basically, it's like every time you die, it's like you die and then your child takes over like and goes back. It's sort of like that Infinity Blade okay. uh, game mm-hmm. on, um, on mobile. Uh, but each character usually there's three versions of the character of the new character, and they can mix and match like traits from previous lives, and or like introduce new ones, or you can you have a limited amount of control over over what they have sometimes. And basically, you they can have different classes. You can unlock different classes. Um, so you have like knights and valkyries and mages and chefs. <laughs> and duelists, and uh, some of them are more comedy oriented than others. But um, so this game has it, a comedic angle to it. Oh yeah, it's very lighthearted, and it ta- and like they can have like various abilities, uh, somewhat randomized. Um, different classes have you know higher health or higher mana or better vitality, etc. Um, and uh, and then there's usually like some kind of uh, attribute thing. So it's like sometimes you'll have, and they can be good or bad. And uh, so like you can have a character who's a, who has dwarfism, so they're very small. Mm-hmm. Or you can have a character who has is a giant who's really big. You have a character. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, Diva. So uh, if you have the Diva trait, uh, every character, every every you and all the enemies have spotlights on them. Like there's no the the the, the world is dark, but there's spotlights on all of you, and the biggest spotlight is on you. And when you kill all the enemies in an area, a bunch of roses get thrown out oh. on you, like like like, <laughs> like a like a stage diva thing. Uh huh. Um, there's also something like one of my other favorites. I think it's called Disattuned. That character is, they're all black, like a shadow, and there's a tiny little heart, like a, like a two-pixel heart. So you're invisible, but you can only be hit if that little two-pixel heart gets hit. Oh. So basically you, yeah, and like you lose, like you have like lower health and stuff, there's like a trade-off to it. Mm-hmm. Also, you can get a skill thing that like gives you a bonus for gold if you have a disadvantage, disadvantage trait. Mm. Um, so you can, you know, if you if you're playing a difficult character, like there's a there's a uh, pacifist trait where uh, you can't do damage. Like that's it. You have a, <laughs> your weapon is a little sign with a peace symbol on it, and you you can't do damage. <laughs> you can only do damage through I think skill crits and um, uh, like jump kicks. 
huh. which are very you know very weak. But because uh, yeah. jump kicks you have to use to get up a plat, they're a platforming tool more than a weapon really. Um, so stuff like that. And then when you're back, you you keep all the gold when you die that you've accumulated, and you go back and you can upgrade your castles like a big skill tree that upgrades health and power and etc etc. You know, a bunch of different skills adds uh, merchants to your castle. You can go you know a blacksmith and a a soothsayer that like upgrades spell stuff and runes. And you know, there's a, there's actually uh, an architect now, an old man who can freeze the map the way it was this last time. So you, if you liked the map or like you can you go were, back and play you it could, again, like, have him freeze it and go pl- keep playing that same version. And you have to like re randomize it every time. Um, and uh, so it is one of those roguelikes where it makes it easier. When you, you, you are upgrade. You are permanently upgrading things. Some things. for that. Um, was the first then, game like that too? Yeah, it was, but not as much. Like this is a much more forgiving. Yeah, like there's a lot more options on how you can play things. You can make yourself invincible if you want. You can allow yourself to fly if you can't. You know, there's accessibility options like up and down. Like if you there's a section of platforming like you can't figure out how to get past or you're not good enough to get past, you can turn flight on and just fly over it. Okay. Like, and there's no penalty for that. Like, okay. You, just, you play it. They want you to play it however you want. So. Uh, difficulty is really not a problem in this game in terms in terms of roguelite stuff like that is uh, they've given you the tools to do this however you want and get definitely get through it no matter what um, so that's cool um, so that, you know the only thing preventing you from doing that is your pride <laughs> um, and then uh, they also added uh, I do like this they added a um, like almost a Metroid style thing where you can find um, I can't remember what they're I think they're called hallowed things or something I don't remember what they're called but you can find power-ups in the game, uh, like these like statues, like like Metroid, like the the Chozo statues. They're holding the the ability in yep. their hand, yep. and you can jump into them, and you do like basically a challenge zone. And if you complete it, uh, it teaches you a new permanent move. So like an air dash, or the ability to do the jump kick, or the ability to read, uh, you know, uh, these like little soul stone things, like that little glowing thing when you first. That little glowing blue thing. Yeah. When you first play the game, if you in- interact with that, it'll be like, oh, you can't read that. Like, see, so you hear that, you can't make it out. So you can get a, an, an item from one of those challenge rooms that lets you read what that is, and that tells you how to open that door. Ah, okay. So now you know what you need to do. Gotcha, kind of gotcha. So, so there is this constant sense of progress um, to the point that, like, I, I don't really have any kind of issue with dying in this game. Like, it doesn't feel like you're, you know, losing time or losing pace or anything like is that t- why it's it's considered one of the best in the genre because it's not as punishing as a lot of them say, are i would think that's that's a lot of, yeah it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel like you're you're failing it just feels like you're playing mm-hmm. i guess that would be the best way to put that um uh it does not i mean to be and to be perfectly honest, it does not really do a whole lot for me like it's it's fine it's 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 pretty fun it controls very well it's very snappy um uh it doesn't do a lot to it me. looks hard it doesn't do a lot to make me care <laughs> Um, and there's time, you know, and certain characters, I mean, part of the fun is seeing what the different character, different versions of the character you get. Um, and, uh, sometimes I've, you know, oh, let's see what this guy, and, and it's like, oh, it's ter- I've, I've like just gotten myself killed because I'm like, I don't want to play as this, as this version oh. of this character anymore. Um, some, some of the, some of the abilities and some of the downsides are, uh, are, you know, depend on your play style. Like some people would probably love the ones I hate. But uh, for me, there's like definitely ones where I'm like, oh, I am, I am not a fan of barbarians. I'm good. In this game, <laughs> uh, the axe swings too slow, and the jump attack is too weak. So I'm gonna stick to the knights and the Valkyries, and uh, the mages are kind of fun, but uh, high skill, high high difficulty because they're weaker. You know, they're, they're glass cannons. Uh huh. Um, 
and you can find like various things that you know that like replace your abilities so if you don't like an ability there is a chance to find something that you know fixes it but that only lasts for that one life mm-hmm. but then at least you know what that item does so if you run into it again you know whether you want it or not because um, the trades are permanent uh, for that character and here's another thing where like, yeah so there's a you can spend some resolve here, which determines how high your, I think, how high your, your power in your life is to, like, get, like, bonus uh, artifacts for that character. Um, there's your there's your skill tree with your your castle. So every time you, you upgrade something, uh, it actually does build a new wing onto your uh, That's kind of cool. Your thing there. And then when you leave that, you run through sort of the front yard of the castle, and you can talk to all the merchants, and then you have to, just like in the first game, you have to uh, get on Charon's boat, and he takes all your gold. That you have left, that you haven't spent, mm-hmm. and takes you back to the beginning of the maze, and there you go. And then once you you beat bosses, uh, I've only uh, fought the one boss, but like that, you know, there's a bunch of different areas you can get to even without beating the boss. But they do kind of throw up a, uh, a star rating for how difficult it is, and you can get to like a max star place like pretty quick. Oh really? Like, oh, better get out of here. Like, <laughs> and some of those are gated by like the Metroid style abilities. Like there's early on, you're not gonna be able to get out of one section until you have the you know the. Is kick, this the a Metroidvania? Kinda. Um, it's definitely uh, in the same vein. I mean, mm-hmm. it's definitely a roguelite, but yeah. it borrows a lot from Metroid. Okay. In, in that regard, I mean the the permanent abilities and the fact that you have to use them to get to new areas definitely. You know, you feel like you're in a Metroidvania in that regard. Yeah, but it is much more roguelite than than that. Okay. Um, I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, it's I feel it's a little mindless to me. Um, and like I don't think the variation in the in the in the castle every time is particularly noteworthy. Uh, I do find the the kind of the the I mean, I'm sure some people find I also don't like the rangers. The uh, the the arrows the the bow and arrow does not feel good to shoot. Um. There is a way you can keep the ranger in midair for a long time, though, by shooting over and over again. That's interesting. I don't like the arc. Uh, the arc. It's like is I'd weird. rather just have a straight line for the archer. Yeah, the uh, the the arc of the the aim is sort of the big challenge of the archer. Yeah. And the fact that you get pushed backwards when you shoot in midair. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can start using that though. I'm guessing you. Yeah, you as can, you get you good, you start that is, to. That is a tool once you use to use, learn to use it. But I'm you know I mostly just give me a sword and a shield. Yep. And, and <laughs> um. It's twenty five bucks. Is that right? Uh, yeah, but I didn't pay that because it was like an early access. Yeah, I thing. think on Steam, it's you can get it for like twenty one or something. It's yeah, on it was, like a ten percent or twenty percent discount. I want to say right I now. got it for less than twenty. Yeah, but uh, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, it's on like a discount right now. If you want to get it a little mm. cheaper, would you recommend this, Matt? It's what it's PC, Mac, Linux, and like Xbox right now. Yeah, and I imagine it'll come other, other places, places eventually. eventually. But. Uh, it's weird that this isn't available for everything right now. Like, yeah, it seems like it would be, but I don't know. I don't know what the story is there. Yeah. Um, um, if you like the first Rogue Legacy, I can't imagine you won't like this one. It's very much much of the same with more. So you just do you disagree generally with people in their assessment of this franchise that it's like the greatest roguelike? It, that seems to be like this. I think the Metacritic for this is like an eight point nine or something. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I don't sure. I got. You think I, that's accurate? I wouldn't call it that. No, yeah. I, I mean, I think Hades is way better than this. And I think Returnal is way better than this. But, like, you know, I like, I think, uh, you know, both of those games have a lot more, you know, I mean, Hades certainly has more personality and more going on in terms of the narrative. Like, mm-hmm. there's an actual, you know, it's not as lighthearted. And, I mean, obviously, uh, Hades is funny, and Hades is not uh, a super serious game. You know, there's a lot of funny stuff in Hades. Yeah. But it's just, it's just a different approach a different level we are on a different level there and returnal is a horror game basically yep i just i, I don't i don't find this kind of uh, goofy cartoony thing particularly interesting yeah 
Animation's pretty good, though. Oh, animation's great. Like, all yeah. the characters, all the enemies are done really well. Like, you know exactly who everyone is. Um, like, the, the hits oh. feel, the, the hits feel uh, satisfying when you, when you hit them. And, like, you know, there's some interesting, like, puzzles and stuff. And there's stuff where, like, you have to beat enemies in certain orders. And, you know, it, it, I mean, it's, it's Mixes nothing, it there's up nothing well. wrong with it. It's just, I just don't care. To you, it gets unremarkable, yeah, I guess, it's, is it's the best like, way to like, okay, put. like, cool. It is, like, part of me just sort of looks at this and be, is like, it is indie game. Uh, you know, like, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So cool. Like, it's better than not playing anything this week. But I'm probably not going to go back to this too much. Yeah, you know, Vincent is saying a lot of the praise for the first game was that it was just how accessible it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, and this is more so. Like they've stepped that up twofold at least. I mean, it's like so anything. This is a non-intimidating. Not no, 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 none whatsoever. Like I mean, you can make yourself invincible and able to fly if you want to. Like mm-hmm. if you just want to get through it. Yeah, you absolutely can do that. And the game, the game is all right there in the options. What would you recommend to people pay for this? I mean, I think like twenty bucks is a good price yeah. for it. Yeah. So if you get it right now on a discount, probably Absolutely. a good deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you look at that and thought that looked cool, like or you like the first one, I mean, there's no way you didn't you you don't like this if you like the first one. Like, yeah. It's just, and I feel like if you're like the first one, you probably already own this. So. Yep, that's true. I was a little surprised. I mean, I didn't realize it was coming out. I mean, I knew it was in early access, but I didn't realize it was hitting you know release. Yeah. Been getting high, sky high reviews. It's pretty crazy. Um, one the one good thing about the drought is that we're starting to touch on some indie stuff a little bit more in Game Face, which we normally just don't have time for. So, um, and coincidentally, there's been some pretty good indie games coming out. I think a lot of people. What was the game last week? Norto or Norco? Norco. Yeah. I saw a lot of people were glad that we had included that in the show because um, a lot of people I think look to shows like this to get exposed to new games that they would have missed otherwise. So, um, just a little different without all the big AAA stuff coming out at once, but still all good, I believe. All right, let's move on to our last topic of episode 299. We're going to talk about something that was just announced today. Matt, I think Blizzard has finally reached the end of its hiatus, where it was like, man, our name has been dragged through the mud for all this terrible stuff. We had this acquisition going on. And we we are the ones who poured all the mud on it. (laughs) Pretty much. And now the dust has kind of settled a little bit, and it feels like Blizzard is finally like, okay... We can now go back to business as usual. Um, well, now that they're basically saying like, oh, we, we can't fix everything because that would cost too much money. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck this. We're going to be really happy when we talk about this next game. I don't even like that we're talking about this. We shouldn't even <laughs> be giving them any attention at this point. Let, let Microsoft buy them and, and clear the, the toxic detritus out of that I think that's place. happening. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, it's still announcing games. And in fact, today it announced a brand new game called Warcraft Arclight Rumble. It's basically a free-to-play Clash of Clans clone set mm. in the Warcraft universe. Um, well, that doesn't devalue the brand at all. <laughs> they call it a mobile action strategy game set within the Warcraft I universe. I call it a thing I will never play. <laughs> where collectible minis come to life to battle in frantic melee skirmishes. Um do you play any mobile games at all? I think we just talked no. about this last week, actually. Yeah, neither one of us do. In fact, didn't you delete some mobile games off your phone live on the show last A couple week? of them, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, it, it's the first new Warcraft game that's been announced yeah. in a like really I, long time. Like, I try them once in a while, but they're all terrible games. Did you ever play Clash of Clans? Uh, I think so. Or I played a game that was like, or played like the Age of Empires game that was like it. There's I, so I, many clones of it. The... Was, it was, I played clones. Maybe it was. Uh, oh, I, I played the Transformers game that was a clone of it. Um, What's that game that Pac plays? That he's obsessed with. 
Oh, was it legendary? Puzzles, something in puzzles in empires and puzzles or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, that like yeah, the the, the match three. Yeah, but this is this is obviously something different. I think this is a little more involved. It's like almost like Pokemon because you're collecting like all these little toys of the Warcraft characters. Yeah, that's that's like the Transformers permutation of Clash of Clans, where like one of the big draws is getting the characters. Yeah. So There's cool. sixty plus characters in this. I'm sure I don't I I don't know who any of these people are. Like, really? I, I recognize Thrall and like Jaina Proudmore and stuff, but like it's always blows my mind that there are named characters in Warcraft. Like, <laughs> like beyond like the like the five main characters. Like it's just I don't well, know. Well it who feels any like they are. they had to name them. Also, the one character they're doing the air guitar. Does that mm. really fit with Warcraft? Were the guitars in Warcraft? I mean the <laughs> the I remember, I remember air guitar emotes and stuff for like the zombies and stuff in the undead. I think there was some stuff like that. Yeah, this is pretty disappointing, isn't it? Like the new I mean, Warcraft game you'd is have to have expectations free to play mobile strategy game. <laughs> I'd have to have expectations to be disappointed. Yeah, because so. it's like a cross between like tower defense and MOBA is the best way I could describe it. Yeah, because you like set up like your defenses or whatever. You set up your units on the map and. Just kind of cross your fingers as, as like a big part of the game design, uh, but it, Blizzard does say there's six modes set in 70 maps. As I said, over 60 different collectible characters. Um, there's PvP, there's PVE, no, there's PvP and there's cooperative actually. Yeah, um, I can see why they didn't hold this for <laughs> for like BlizzCon because. Their experience of debuting mobile games at their big events have yeah, you, not you gone You finally over. got past the Diablo Immortal hurdle. You don't want to make this your next, like, 10-year shame. Well, they were smart with this one. Like, when they advertised or marketed the debut, they kept, they've kept they said over and over again, this is a mobile Warcraft game. Mobile Warcraft game. Uh, just to head it off at the pass for the most part. Um but it is kind of a shame that, you know, Blizzard kind of goes into this. Also feels like they must have started this when Skylanders was popular. It does look a lot like Skylanders, doesn't it? It, it? It's a little disappointing that, you know, Blizzard goes into this hiatus of not really debuting any games and really kind of staying silent. And this is what it comes out with. But you know what? Truth be told, this will probably generate like a billion dollars a year for the next like 15 years. It Mobile is this whole other universe that... Honestly, you and I really know nothing about. Mm. Let's be honest. Pactor knows a lot. When I go to shoot Pactor Factor, I have to budget in at least 30 to 45 minutes of me listening to him talking about mobile games <laughs> and the mobile market and what's going on. Well, he's exa- I mean, I have done some work for a couple mobile companies, and I will say that like learning about how the demographics and stuff work there is was was mind-shredding because like so many of these games just like like their revenue comes from like like ninety percent of the revenue comes from ten percent of their audience. I know. And the, the one whales. top one percent, the top one percent of those whales, that's almost seventy percent and something. Like people like Pactor, you know, who he's like, a whale. Empire's a puzzle. He's a whale. A couple, he, couple times I've I've heard people be, be like like yeah, one of our best customers is like this guy who's like a CFO at some company and he spends ten thousand dollars a day on the game. Yep. People Packers have no, like no, more money than and they know what to do with, and they just play these games constantly when they don't have anything else to do. Yeah, Pactor's like, hey, I'll give you uh, $200 if you want to start playing Empires and Puzzles with me. I'm like, hey, how about you go to sifted.net slash donate yeah, and just give, give me, me the $200 because I need that way worse than I need to play a mobile game right now, dude. Like, <laughs> It's funny, but it's like it's almost like this 
misery loves company thing where like mm-hmm. in brent the guy who builds sifted he plays with pactor and both of those guys are always trying to get me to play mobile games i don't understand it it's like people don't want to be alone they're like we need to get shane aboard <laughs> so we don't feel so much shame from playing these mobile games don't you want to be a pepper too <laughs> exactly it's really bizarre uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't want to talk about this too long. It is really disappointing that this is kind of like Blizzard's big yeah. new game. The, the basically the addiction hook thing that these that mobile games and you know MMOs and a lot of games like that like you know traffic in as sort of their main draw. Like that just doesn't work on me. Like, I me either. I don't get hooked on games that aren't fun to play, and I've never run into one of these games that's fun to play. See, I would argue. MMOs are like that. Like I think no, I I would agree most of the <laughs> like, time. I don't like, get suckered into playing them. I just I don't have that gene. I don't have that clicker gene where I just need to keep mm-hmm. doing like the same thing over and over again. Like yeah, I do have friends who play like the one click thing, like those those clicker. Th- I'm just like, what are you? What are you doing? doing? <laughs> I know. Or the idle games. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, well, so you don't play the appeals that you don't play it. Well, dude, did you see just check in once in a while? That Glue Mobile company that made that god awful Kim Kardashian game sold for like a billion dollars. Yeah. <sighs> That's what you should. You should have started a mobile. Studio. I know. There's a million things I should have done <laughs> besides what I did with my money. The worst investment I ever made in my life. <laughs> we could have made like the most generic fantasy game, and and checked out with millions and millions. Well, the funny thing is, Brent. While he was building Sifted and while he was working a full-time job, he also built a mobile game, a mobile card battle game. That guy's a machine. He's amazing what he does. But he tried. He actually did make a mobile card battle game. And I don't think it ever really took off or whatever, but he tried. Um, but it does seem like it's just like that easy, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> It just seems like you just make a game on mobile and you just get rich. And I know that's bullcrap. I'm sure there are thousands of games released every day that do nothing. And somehow yeah. certain games somehow bubble up to the top. I mean, the way Probably they marketing bubble up to money. The, you, yeah, you marketing. That's all it is. You, yeah. you spend it to get to the top of the algorithm, and once you hit a certain, you know, it does help to have nice art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if, I think ultimately your game has to be decent. Yeah. But I'm sure there are thousands of decent games that tank completely because the person didn't have the money to market it. Marketing is such a big deal. Like, if mm-hmm. people ask me, like, what's the biggest thing that you've learned, like running your own company? Marketing is a big deal. Yeah. Like, you have to have money to market because if people don't know that your product exists, you have no chance. Well, so, I mean, there's a reason that marketing was the power when Keeley was building his empire. Yeah. Like, he knew to talk to marketing because mar- everything lives or dies. Like, marketing can make creative changes to games yeah. because they're like, we think it'll only sell if you do this. And that'll and then it happens. They'll do it. Like that's they'll change the game. That's yep. how the assassins Creed assassins and assassins Creed ended up wearing uniforms. Yeah, that's right. Like yep, they were true. not. You know, Ezio was not supposed to be dressed exactly like Altair. Yeah. But that had become the iconic look, and marketing was like that. We that's want that uncovered. That's their uniform. That's what they look like. Yeah. So the secret people wear a recognizable uniform, and the Templars all dress differently. Yeah, <laughs> it's like crazy. Very weird. Uh, before we move on, though, um, this game is launching soon, and it's free to play, so you can play it for free. Signups are live right now for iOS and Google Play, if you're so inclined. Um, but it is a little depressing that this is kind of what we're getting from Blizzard at this point, and we're still waiting for Diablo mm-hmm. 4. But I guess it's better than nothing. We're continue waiting for Diablo 4 for quite some time, I think. I mean, I was kind of wondering if development had even continued at Blizzard at this point, like if stuff just wasn't put on hiatus. So at least this shows that they are still working on games, even if they're not the games that we all hoped for and we're wishing for a better debut. But it is what it is. All right. Time for some Q&A. 
going to chat at Sifted Games. We have a little extra time today than normal, so we can answer a couple more questions if you guys have any. Um, and that going at Sifted Games will help a ton with us pulling those questions out of the chat. Here's one from no, Sin. No more name that game, huh? I have to have stuff to give away, uh, yeah. and I don't have anything. Like the we did those two weeks because uh, mm. Justin Horman very graciously had supplied two game codes yeah. for us to give. I away. I could definitely pull out some old humble bundle codes. I have dozens. And pull dozens them out, of those. and we'll keep playing, and I'll get better. We'll get, hopefully, at the visual version at the, of it. Someone did make a good point last week. Where like someone knew. I think was it was it Erebus Jones that knew it, or, or Justin Horman? I can't remember. But somebody knew that I was talking about Darwinia off of my incredibly vague description of it. Like, and, and that instantly they knew what it was like you have no chance i know like dude our chat is amazing (laughs) really amazing like we just put up the episode of game face where i got all bummed out because people had figured out that it was portal so quickly and people are in the the comments on youtube are just laughing their asses off they're like yeah of course Mm -hmm. like this is what we do. Like we're hardcore freaking yeah. gamers. Like and even if you don't see the cake, it looks like they're right. It looks like a source game. Like there's a there's a look to yeah, it. Yeah, I agree with that. I that mean, engine, I knew that. That was yeah. also the thing with Bully. Was like there's something about it that looked like Rockstar's engine. <laughs> You're right. You know, like, it's funny though how we have this like sixth sense to pick stuff like yeah. that up, and other people just don't have it. Hours of our lives staring at this shit. It's pretty crazy know. though how it embeds in your mm-hmm. your mind though. You guys are amazing. Like you guys are you guys could host this show. Maybe that's what we should start doing. <laughs> New Taylor. Shane, why did you tell me that Kim Kardashian game exists? Why does that bother you? Are you going to go download it and play it now? Are you a, are you a, is there a name for like Kim Kardashian fans? Kimites or something? Is there a word for like fans of the Kardashians? I mean, I think they're probably an anti-fan. Because there's like the beehive, right? For Bay. That's Beyonce, yeah. yeah Beyonce is the beehive. Is there something for the Kardashians? God, I hope not. It's been so know. funny. Like there cuz right now LA is just smothered in Kardashians. Everywhere you go, it's that same photo of them for that new Hulu show that they have. And it's just you see like <laughs> at a bus stop, you'll see this picture of the Kardashians with all their cosmetic surgery and their fake boobs and their $5,000 jackets that they're wearing. And then there'll be a homeless guy laying on the sidewalk in front of the poster. It is the most LA thing ever it's just and the whole city is just covered in it right now i thought they were going away i thought they were quitting their show and now it's worse than ever matt uh-huh. like when they had their other show i never saw crap like that now that they launched this hulu thing it's everywhere anyway why am i talking about this uh thanks for bringing up kim kardashian <laughs> uh vincent do you think they specifically planned the warcraft mobile announcement to go alongside the overwatch 2 beta so the core audience would be distracted. Distracted from what? From Overwatch 2 not being great? Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure what the distraction would be, Vincent. Um, but maybe you can add that later on in the chat and we'll answer it. Um, Cinetike, marketing is my nemesis. Let me bring up the chat, actually, so you guys can see it. And let me get the give me credit roll rolling for all the people who give us $30 a month or more thank you guys very much without you people we would be in deep we're already in deep doo-doo what, I'm t- what am i talking about doesn't seem we'd be, be in deeper doo-doo if it weren't for you people there doesn't seem to be a name for kardashian fans no no that's shocking that's really shocking uh cinetic marketing is my nemesis and source of all my anguish in life what it, what field do you think he works in matt any he probably works in marketing yeah <laughs> specifically on the pc hardware space the amount of bs marketing terms bring forward Completely disconnected to the physical reality drives me insane. Okay, he had no question, but that's a good comment. Uh, Norix Nessie, what's up, Norix? 
Whom do you reckon, I love that, benefits more from the guest characters in Fortnite? Epic for getting the guest characters or the license holders for getting their properties out there and current in the public mind? I think that's almost a 50-50 split. Probably. I think you, you're. I think it depends on the demographic, but I think you're you're getting the former with, um, like Epic gets the advantage of having those characters and get parents and older people to take note because a lot of them tend to be appealing to an older audience, mm-hmm. and you're introducing those characters to younger kids. Yeah, like I know a lot of a lot of my friends who have kids, like their kids know a lot of different characters and a lot of different media things specifically from Fortnite. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and even sometimes when it's something that the kids probably should like, like a couple of kids, uh, one of my, some of my friends up north, um, want to see Moon Knight now because Moon Knight was in Fortnite or something like that. And so, like, it works. And so, like, but like Moon Knight isn't really a kid's show. Yeah. So, yeah. He's not actually in it too much. I mean, the Moon Knight costume, you're not, you don't see that Moon Knight very often. Um, so they're like, mm, maybe later. But like, so, it's, but it works. Definitely gets the kids interested in whatever they're looking at, and it makes parents or whoever who are like you know are aware of those things are to be like, oh, that's in Fortnite. Oh, crazy. You know, like, mm-hmm. So I would say it's a very, very symbiotic relationship. One of my nephews, his grades just dropped in school mm. drastically, and so you know they're trying to figure out what's going on, why you know his grades have fallen so much in a short period of time, and they sent him to the counselor, and the counselor blamed it all on Fortnite. Mm. She said she talked to him, and all he would talk about the whole time was Fortnite. What he's doing in Fortnite, what cosmetics he has in Fortnite, what people he's going to play Fortnite with when he got home from school. And do you think that's right? Do you think that that's really the problem? I mean, it's the manifestation of the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, kids have been distracted by whatever hobby or whatever thing they'd rather be doing forever. Yeah. You know, I wasn't addicted to Fortnite, but I was addicted to going to work at the comic shop or... What I was addicted to was doing things that earned me money. Yeah. That's what I was... Yeah, I wouldn't do homework because I was going out with my friends. We were doing paper route stuff or I was working at the comic shop or I was going to the arcade where we'd do do some odd job things and then play more games. I mean, I used all the money immediately almost. Yeah. But like, I was more interested in going out and doing stuff and and hanging out with people. I was not interested in in school at a certain point. Um, And like, it wasn't because of the what I was doing; it was because of I wasn't engaged. Yeah, Um, the kid's probably bored. He, I guess. Well, they they blamed his grade drops on Fortnite, and they told my sister, his mom, to keep him from playing Fortnite, and he like lost his mind because Mm -hmm. she uses Fortnite as a bargaining chip to get him to do other stuff. Mm -hmm. She's like, "You need to clean your room, or you can't play Fortnite. You need to eat all your vegetables, or you can't play Fortnite." And now the teacher is telling him telling her, you need to take Fortnite away from him, and now she has no bargaining chip with him anymore, and now he's unruly at home, and he's pissed off because he can't play Fortnite. It's bizarre. Yeah, removing the thing that the kid enjoys, as long as it's not detrimental to his health, is a, is a mistake. I mean, cut way down, yeah. sure. But you can't like just cut that out and act like that's going to solve the problem because now you've just become the enemy. Yeah, and he's making his mom the enemy. Yep. I mean, he doesn't hate the counselor at right. school. He hates my sister. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, who cares what the teacher says? Like, the yeah. teacher doesn't have to live with you. Yeah. You know? Like, there's, there's, a, there's a way to manage that that does not involve, like, basically cold turkey. Yeah. Um, an addiction. An addiction. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. But it's uh, one thing I will say, too, is at Christmas, you know, I have so many nieces and nephews. I have so many brothers and sisters, and they've all had two or three kids at this point. There's just so many. And so I buy them all these gifts at Christmas, and then what hits harder than anything is a V-Bucks card. Mm-hmm. Like, I can buy them the coolest toy. I can buy them a video game. 
But they open that V-Bucks card and they dance around the room. They run around the room in circles. They dance. They, they At the end of like the gift opening thing, they all sit down and they count who has the most V-Bucks. Like, it's definitely a thing. Like, oh, there's yeah. no doubt about it that we should probably keep an eye on. I don't want to sound like the old grumpy old dude, though. <laughs> I mean, it's just And, of course, like, I would never tell him to stop just, playing. It's just like everything. Every, you know, there's always been stuff like that. It's not, it's not anything new. I'm too concerned about... It used to be Pokemon. used to be Pokemon cards or Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Magic cards or... Always something. Yeah. You know, like how many how many decks of Pokemon cards were confiscated, you know, 20 years ago? You know, yeah. It's, it's just, oh, kids get into things... We know what V-Bucks is, though. It's the currency in the game. The currency of Fortnite, yeah. yeah. So they can buy all their I don't stuff. know what you do with it, but apparently it's important. Yep. Uh, North Stessie, thank you for Twitch Prime. And Justin Norman, check your DMs. I sent you another game last week. Okay. DMs where? That's On usually Sifted? Twitter. Or on Twitter. DM is usually Twitter. Yeah. Okay. I'll check all my DMs and I'll look for it. AJ the Legend Watson. Is Matt attending Star Wars Celebration? No. No? Do you ever go to that? I've been. I. Is it worth it they're to be- go in person? Maybe once. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've been to three of them, I think, and they're all kind of the same. Okay. Like, I, conventions don't do a lot for me. Many more. Me either. No. Now I just look at them as a way to get COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's some of that too um also the problem with like stuff like that is like i went to the, all that stuff for free for so long because it was part of my job yeah that then like spending a few hundred dollars to go do this thing that i've already seems I, absurd I just, yeah there's no appeal to it <laughs> yeah, I agree. like if i had a group of friends who was going and they all wanted to like have me come with them like i would probably do it but just to go to go i don't there's no interest i don't have any interest in that me too I agree. any any interesting news that pops up i'm probably going to hear about it before anyone there anyway who's not in the actual room with it um Cinetech says it was not a question, just an anguished confession. Fair enough. We mm-hmm. all need to vent somehow. Sneaky mm-hmm. uh, Snake says, I have a load of humble codes you can have. I don't have a PC. Also, yes, I'm weird. We're all weird. Agreed. We are all weird in our own way. I agree with that. Uh, what else we got here from you guys? Mega Drive Guy, thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Also, people listening to this show out on the podcast services or on YouTube, you can help us for free with Twitch Prime. That's what, that's what we're talking about here on the live show, Twitch Prime. People are giving us a free $2.50 every time they subscribe. Uh, and the instructions for doing that are down in the description below if you're watching the show on YouTube. We would really, really appreciate it if you guys could do that. Like, we need the help. Uh, Congrim1, will you guys be playing Ayudin Chronicles Rising is a prequel to the successful Kickstarter game from the former Konami developers. I am well aware of Ayudin Chronicles Rising. My question is, where the hell is Ayudin Chronicles? Why? Oh, that's a long way away. <laughs> Why? <laughs> they hadn't even started it when that Kickstarter happened. So. Why is there a spin-off for the game like before the game comes out? Like why know. wouldn't also, they Also just... the spin-off doesn't look very good. Um It looks okay. Eh, is it certainly not I don't know. It's on Game Pass, so yeah. no skin off my ass. Um I mean I backed the main game. Like a Suikoden? For sure. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, it's a, supposed to be the spiritual successor to Suikoden. Suikoden by a lot of people who made Suikoden. Right. So like, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. But yeah, yeah no, they always said like they're twenty twenty four, basically. Um, where this thing came from, I don't know, but yeah, I'll try it. Sure. Oh, oddly enough, you don't get it if you're a backer. So you don't get this the, the prequel thing. Really? You have to buy it separately? Yeah. Really? That's crazy. At least I don't. Maybe I'm not a high enough tier. I don't know. Wow, that's shocking. But it certainly wasn't mentioned in the original Kickstarter, so it wasn't something people were backing as a reward. It was they just weren't counting pop, on it. Sort of popped up, and it seems like they're charging separate for it. Okay. Um, Zaboom Afu with Crack Bros. <laughs> okay, that's a good username, I think. 
Uh, Shane, you previously stated that reviews don't matter, but you've also said the success of Elden Ring is because of its score. Would you care to rectify the two? I do not remember saying reviews don't matter. Yeah, I don't think you would ever say that. I've said that. Yeah, I think you may have me. I, I don't think reviews impact sales very much. Yeah, I don't remember ever saying that, actually. But Matt has said it before. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Matt said that about Elden Ring, so the question doesn't matter really. No, I mean, I still don't. I don't think Elden Ring sold double what your average From game did because of reviews. I think it sold that because it has a reputation through word of mouth from the previous games, and it was very heavily advertised, and George R. R. Martin's name is attached to it. Yeah. It's all good, man. It's easy to get us too mixed up, the things that we say, because we talk for three hours a week every week. Yeah. It's hard to remember what each one of us says. Um, Emperor Dread, why are there no good Star Trek games? Good question. There are a couple. Bridge good Crew is not games. terrible. Uh, bridge Commander. Uh, bridge Commander. Bridge Crew. Well, no, no Bridge Crew and Bridge Crew. Commander separate game. Bridge Crew is the VR one. Bridge right. Commander is the VR, the non VR bridge simulator from many many years yeah, ago. It's old. Um, all the good Star Trek games are almost twenty or twenty plus years old. They're all in GOG. Um, Why aren't there good ones? Uh, they haven't made any in a long time, for one thing. Uh, but like, Star why? T- Star Trek 25th Anniversary and Star Trek Judgment Rights are really good point-and-click adventure Star Trek games. Uh, the Starfleet Academy games are all good. The Elite Force was a pretty good first-person shooter back in the day. Um, the ni- there were some good ones in the 90s, early 2000s, but then they all dropped off. Uh, and the the reason there have been been any is because Star Trek went away. Basically, there was you know now we're back in a kind of a you know this regular Star Trek shows and. Well, not movies, but like, yeah. you know, Star Trek is a thing again in that. But like, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to make a discovery game? You know, it's a hard, hard ask. Uh, Star Trek Online's been going for a long time. That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't care about Star Trek at all. I do, but like not enough to seek out like new new life and new civilizations for it. You know, like it's... There's, it's, I mean... Also, like, I, I don't really care about an ongoing Star Trek. Like, one of the things that I think is a flaw in modern Star Trek is the constant need to tell sort of the the ongoing serialized story that all shows do now. I think Star Trek works better as an episodic adventure show, which is exactly what Strange New Worlds, that new show that's premiering this week, I mean, is, each is episode be. self-contained yeah. story, that beginning, end. Yeah. yeah, and you can have character I continuity. I agree with that. Obviously, you can have character continuity and characters that evolve over, over time, whatever. but the thrust of the series in a pure Star Trek situation is to tell individual stories, you know, episodic stories that have some kind of story or point or message. Yeah. Because uh, that's what science fiction does best, and that's what Star Trek was built to do. Agreed. Um, and you can certainly have characters grow and have, develop relationships with each other through all that, but it shouldn't be the, you know, the focus of Star Trek shouldn't be getting me to tune in to see what happens next. It should be telling me an hour-long story. Um, as the original series and Next Gen and Voyager did that. I mean, I love Deep Space Nine. I actually do think the best Star Trek Thing is the Dominion War arc of Deep Space Nine, but that is partly because I'm a giant Babylon Five nerd, and that's the closest thing Star Trek ever did to Babylon Five. For me, the 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 kind of the overall best Star Trek stuff is when they're just you know basically telling short stories. Like that's what that's what it should be. That's how I, I like it better that way. But to his question, like why aren't there Star Trek games? I believe it's because unlike Star Wars, Star Trek has not done a great job of developing a wide breadth of characters like like Star Wars did. Like I don't know any enemies in Star Trek other than the Klingon, like a whole race of people. Oh, no, that's I, well, that's not true. That's, that's, well, Kling, I know there are. Klingons but my are, my point is, is that people like me, I have no idea of any Star Trek yeah, villains. I mean, I think generally most people do know Klingons, Romulans, and the Borg. 
Um, the, the Borg. The like, Borg. I know what they are. If they've been in the movies, but I think But there's no, like, Darth like, Vader, Jabba the Hutt, the Emperor, well, like, these Khan. iconic villains that, right, like... Right, but I'll, I will... So so I don't agree with that. I think, um... I mean, I, I'm I, a most of the, nerd, dude, and right, I but no, I don't agree love with, sci-fi. I don't, yeah, but I don't agree, and I don't know any of them. But I don't agree with what you're talking about there in terms of the comparison to Star Wars, because... Darth Vader and those characters weren't really part of the old Star Star Wars games either. They were background characters. They weren't what you were doing. The problem with Star Trek and adapting it to a video game is that a Star Trek is not really an action-oriented franchise. Yeah, that's true. Like you can't really you can't really recreate the experience of watching Star Trek in a video game without being frankly kind of slow and boring. Like mm-hmm. that's why one of the, the best original series game is a point-and-click adventure because it just simulates beaming down to a planet and figuring things out and talking to people and then going back to the ship. Like, Star Trek, Star Wars is like you fly a space starfighter and then you blow a thing up and then you hit a guy with a laser sword and then you shoot a bunch of stormtrooper Nazis and then you run around over here and then fight a monster and then fly away on a jetpack. Like, that's all awesome. That's like, you're just like, I can make the video game in my head right now. You want to do Star it. Trek <laughs> is like, the appeal of Star Trek is like the the world and the sort of problem solving and the character interactions and all that stuff. And like, that is much, much harder to replicate in a video game. And the problem with well, like, it would make it for a boring video game. Boring, video game. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like if you make the video game that like the core Star Trek audience wants, it's boring. If you make a Star Trek video game that you think the mainstream audience would want, the core audience is going to be turned well, off. It's and, inauthentic, and they're going to yeah. not want it. So, like, what are you making it for? Yeah. Um, you know, like they and Bethesda tried that a couple times. They tried, you know, Star Trek Legacy. And that one that was on the PS2 that was like a top-down sort of shooter thing. I don't even remember. Um, I can't remember the name of that. First, first command or, or fleet command, flight command or something like that. Things like that. There have been strategy games, but like they, none of them really gelled. And like, mm-hmm. what's the one that was really the most successful? Is probably the VR one. Yeah. Where you felt like you were you in just, Star Trek. Yeah. Like that's what. That's it. Like yeah. that's the thing. That makes you, sense. That should be what. Works. I mean, that's what you're trying to simulate, and that really hasn't been an opportunity to do that until recently. Like, one of the longest-running Star Trek games is not a Star Trek game. It is a, a, a homebrew game called Artemis, and you download Artemis onto all these laptops and things, and you put a put an, uh, you know, basically everybody has their own little workstation on a laptop, and you network them all together, and you put it on put the main screen on a TV, and everybody has their own, is their own role on the ship, and you go through like missions, like in a group. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a role play thing. Yeah, and like it's. It's cool. Like yeah. it's, it's just made by one guy. He's been making it for like fifteen years. You go buy like buy it for like twenty Crazy. bucks, and it's like the best Star Trek game ever made. And it been, and, and but like Universal just can't and they can't get their act together on that. I don't know. Like I don't know why. I don't know what to tell you. And then like you do make something like Star Trek Bridge Crew, which is great, but nobody cares because nobody has you know yeah, the artist the barrier the to entry is there. Yeah. And then you know it costs a lot for the license, and now more than two years pass, and you want to pay to renew the license, so you can't even sell it anymore. So like who cares? You know? Yeah. Um, Star Trek is a tough nut to crack in terms of turning it into a video game, I think. Because I think if publishers could figure it out that easily, they'd do it. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, that's one of the reasons I think a lot of Star Trek fans I know are pretty excited about that Telltale-style game. Because mm-hmm. that really is the that way would you work. capture Star Trek more than yeah. anything else. Is like that, you know, you, it's a storytelling medium. It's a, it's a way to capture the characters. It's a way to capture sort of exploring, you know, the social issues of, you know, it's a social issue sci-fi franchise mm-hmm. you know it's always been very politically forward and politically minded and socially minded uh from from back in the 60s even and today and like that's how star trek is star trek you know that and the dynamics of how the crew works together um if you do not have, if you don't have a crew with like you know some some real chemistry it's not going to work that's why the orville 
is a better Star Trek show than a lot of the recent Star Trek stuff because you believe that that crew works together well. Right. Like, they all work. And, and one of the reasons I stopped watching the Orville is my favorite character left the show. Oh. And it was no longer the same thing, and I didn't like it anymore. <laughs> that's that's all it takes sometimes. Yeah. So if you don't get that dy- dynamic between the crew right in that video game you're trying to make, what are you going to do? And then, like, of course, you also have the fracturing of the fan base where it's like some of the better Star Trek action games have been Elite Force, you know, that, back when they made that. And those were Voyager games. And that was during the period where no self-respecting Star Trek fan would admit they liked Voyager. Oh, right. You know? And now people do like Voyager. You know, now it's okay to say you like Voyager because <laughs> you're supposed to hate the new stuff and love oh, the, the old fandom. stuff. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I just generally think Star Trek is a much harder uh, thing to figure out uh, how to translate to a video game than Star Wars because Star Wars is just slam bang shoot run hit swing action. Like yep. it's just way easier to capture what is cool about Star Wars than it is to capture what's cool about Star Trek. And that is not to say that Star Wars is better than Star Trek. I like Star Wars better than Star Trek, but Star Trek is just a more cerebral, subtle thing. That's all. Yep. And that doesn't translate to video games too well all the time. Especially in a license situation where you have to answer to like five different people who all have different ideas about what this thing should be. Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough nut to crack, as you said. Uh, We'll take one more from the legacy. Will this generation of consoles be seen as transitional because of the effect of all these acquisitions won't happen until the end of the generation? Good question. Really good question, actually. Can you say that again? Let me read it again. Uh, will this generation of consoles be seen as transitional because of the effect of all these acquisitions won't happen until the end of the generation? I don't think it's going to happen at the end of the generation. I think this generation is going to be a lot longer than you think it is. Yeah, I do think this generation is going to go on for a long time. Because it hasn't even started yet, let's be honest. Because I think, I think actually, it's kind of the other way around. I mean, it will be considered transitional because a lot of transition is going to happen during this generation. But I think... I think a lot of these major major publishers, major hardware manufacturers that are buying up all these all these developers, they're going to want to see some return on those investments this gen, and they will make this gen last yeah. as long as they need to to make sure they get that. I feel like this they want to sell has the, even started. Well, they want to sell the game, especially the, not even the first game, but the second game out of what you've this dev you've acquired. You want to sell that game to your massive install base of this gen. Yeah, you do not want to you know transition to the to the ps6 or the xbox series x2 whatever the hell they're gonna do uh, every every generation we're gonna go through this thing we're like what are they gonna call the next xbox weird thing are they gonna do yeah. the xbox um well i think the problem is is it it goes back to the law of diminishing returns and we're already seeing it here where you have these games that are made for both the ps4 pro and for the ps5 and if you play these games in 4k on the ps4 pro and compare them to the ps5 version it's really hard to tell the difference. And the next generation, that gap's going to get even smaller, and you're going to have to spend more money to even get the same gap. So I really think this this generation of consoles may stick around. I hate to say it, yeah. for like almost like eight or I ten think, years. I think, well, I don't see a thing that could... Like, I mean, I, there was a point where you realized that, like, okay, if we want to jump to, like, the ray tracing stuff and the, and the super fast hard drive, like, all that stuff, they decided, like, that was the, the next thing to do. You hit a point where, like, we can't just release an incremental upgrade. This is a full hardware revision. We got to do a new console. And so now think about what you would need to do to justify new hardware. 
and not like a PS5 Pro where you just like make the hard make the hard drive a little bigger. Yeah. And you make the ray tracing a little better. Yeah. Make the hardware a little more powerful. But like, what's the next big trick? Like, I guess like really good ray tracing. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like I don't, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there's not much you would need to be to do that couldn't be justified as an incremental upgrade versus a brand new system. Yeah. Um, also, wait until you see what these things made with Unreal Five look like. Yep. Because there you're gonna see. It's gonna, I, I it's gonna be like a whole new generation started again. You're right, and so. that's really probably when. The next gen will really start, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and by then, we won't be having these games that are released for the old platform and the new platform. Yeah, I, th- I think you're going to have... A, I think this gen's going to be 10 years. I think so, too, man. I, I really think it is. Because, again, it hasn't really started. Like, I still feel like we have one foot mm-hmm. back in, like, last gen. Like, I think I think that I mean, we, it is transitional right now. It's yeah. definitely very transitional. But I think in, like, five years, we'll look back at this part of the gen and be like wow can you imagine that was this gen yeah like i wouldn't be surprised if we get like starfield 2 before the xbox series x is like irrelevant yeah, i'm not gonna place any bets on Bethesda. well that is bethesda yeah <laughs> but, but you get what i'm saying almost any other game you, you, you would, yeah. <laughs> would have made a better example yeah so yeah i don't i think you know you're gonna feel good about getting a next gen console or new gen whatever the hell people are calling it now even though we're almost two years into this thing um, mm-hmm. I think people have now switched to new gen, um, but you're gonna you should feel good about buying a new gen console if you haven't got one yet because even it's two years in and you're we're still just getting started. So um, I think that's yeah. good on a lot of fronts. Like don't you know at the very least like it's gonna have to wait until people can just walk into a store and buy a PS5. Yeah, and who knows? And that's got That's probably two years away. It might be, which is crazy. It's just the timing of this gen launching with the pandemic is mm-hmm. just a. T- it's the worst timing ever. It yeah. couldn't be worse. That uh, the, well, the pandemic and the shipping problems and the international. All of it. And we got a recession probably coming. We got inflation going out of control. Like it's all, it's bad for all business right now. And uh, pulling out of it is going to be, it's going to take a, a big global shift. And I don't know when that might happen. Well, it's real bad for us. That's all yeah. I can say. We are getting slaughtered by I don't know what it is, but we have just lost so many patrons, so many. Almost, there's hardly anyone left on our old on-site subscription system. So what you're seeing on our Patreon now is pretty much all we're making every month. That's it. And it's bad. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you guys. I've been talking about it for weeks. What, what are you hearing? I'm going to start charging you for the studio space. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then it's over. <laughs> it's over at that point. Um, so if you are listening to the show on any of the podcast services, and the show is everywhere, um, it is on Spotify, it is on iHeartRadio, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Google Podcasts, it's on Stitcher. If you're listening to the show on any of those services, and I know there are so many of you, because we get the reports, there's so many of you who have been listening to this show for free for like six years. You can't go to patreon.com sifted and finally pay a little bit for the show. We need it. We need your help. Um, so please do that. If you've been watching the show on YouTube for five or six years now and you've never helped us out, now's the time. I know a lot of people are worried because, you know, inflation's bad. You're spending more for everything else. I totally get it. And I don't want anyone to spend money that they don't have to support us. I would never ask anyone to do that. But there's a lot of people out there who are doing really damn well right now and just don't want to support us for whatever reason. And those are the people that I'm calling out to. Like, now's the time to step up. If you've been getting this show for free, for how long, how many hours of entertainment have Matt and I given you guys? Thousands at this point. Like, help us out. I don't know what else I can say at this point. So um, if you are one of those people, head to patreon.com. Yeah, we would have crossed 1,000 by now. Yeah. 
300 episodes plus E3 stuff. Oh, plus, yeah. like, something goes along. Yeah. Oh, we had all those shows that weren't even counted. Like, we had, yeah. like, the Game Face Freestyle that we did for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, we've easily over a thousand hours we have given a lot of people for free entertainment. Like, we can't. There's, there We're are never people, getting any of that back. Like the the, <laughs> the crawl that goes along the bottom of the screen during Game Face. Those people have been floating your bill for like six years now. Like, isn't it cool for you to like let them off the hook a little bit and give them a little relief? Like, I I don't know how you could listen to this show as long as you have and not want to at least support a little bit. So please do it. Head to patreon.com slash sifted. And for $4 a month, you get all our content early. You get Game Face four days early. You get Pactor Factor a week early. You get all of our stuff at least four days early. So please do it. Um, I don't want to beg, but that's all that's left at this point. Because <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. We're in really bad shape. What you see on that Patreon right now is the only money we make. Think about it. Like all the expenses that we have running a website, paying Matt, paying Vincent. I get what's left. So you can imagine the position that I'm in right now. Just telling you. Uh, thanks to everybody on our chat, though. You guys are awesome. And you guys all support us with, at the very least, Twitch Prime, which everyone should be doing because it's free. If you are an Amazon Prime member, Twitch Prime is free. You can give us a free $2.50 every month. It costs you nothing. It takes two seconds to resubscribe every month. Please do that. It does make a big difference. It's one of our only other alternate revenue streams. Like, we make nothing off of YouTube because all y'all are ad blockers. You guys are all blocking ads on YouTube, which sucks. So... Even if you don't want to give us money, maybe turn off your ad blocker when you watch Game Face. I don't know. That's something you can do to help. Uh, We need all the help we can get. I'm just being honest. So uh, thanks to everybody who's in our chat. Our chat is awesome. You guys are like friggin' geniuses. And you know games pretty much just as well as Matt and I do. And it's an honor to make content for you guys. And I really appreciate all that you've done. Some of you guys have stepped up your pledges over the last like couple weeks trying to help us. I see it and I appreciate it. I just want you guys to know that. We need more people. We need more people pulling the rope. We can't have the same amount of people, the same people floating the bill for everybody else. Do you not have a conscience? Like, all these people, their names are scrolling along the bottom. They're paying your way. Do you not feel like a freeloader? I don't get it. Like, let's do it. Let's make it happen. It's getting to the 11th hour here. We need the help. So just being honest with you guys, like I have been from day one with Sifted. I have always been honest with you guys and told you exactly what's going on. And that's what I'm doing right now. So just a reminder... No Game Face next week. Matt is out of town. Hopefully everything goes great with your films and everything at the film festival. Mm-hmm. Everyone cheer Matt on. Follow him at mkyle if you can and root him on. And are you, are you tweeting stuff about this where people can help you and all that? Um, there will be like, or at least I'll be retweeting what Brian, the director, does tweet. Okay. So you'll, you'll find it. Make sure you follow him at mkyle. You can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. You guys probably know that already. You can follow Sifted mm-hmm. at Sifted Games. And I think you can actually, if you're in Minneapolis, you can actually go to it. Like it's uh, oh, what's the, what's the festival called? Oh, that's the Minneapolis St. Paul Film Festival or something like that. Okay, uh, there will there will be social media put up that I'll probably re- retweet from Brian uh, as it gets closer. But it's Tuesday it's next. It's a week from today. Okay, and there's a shorts block that we're in. Yeah. So so if you can support Matt, do it. Um, and there'll be a and A afterward. Are you going to be a part of it? Uh, that's the plan. Yeah. Are they live streaming? No. Uh, so, so that, that, you say we curate it and put it up on Sifted. No, 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 no. It's all, you, don't, you don't do that. <laughs> you got to go to see it. Okay. Uh, so anyway, don't forget, no then, game uh, face next week. And then the dance film that was premiered in Phoenix will be at the New York Cinefest uh, the weekend after that. Awesome. Are you going there too? No, I'm not going. You're not going to go? No. Okay. Uh, so anyway, no game face next week. Don't show up here on Tuesday, although I will show up in the chat just in case some of you do, and I'll let you guys know there's no show. I always do that. 
And there's always a couple people that show up and are like, where is everybody? Uh, so anyway, don't show up next week. Episode 300 is the next episode. I am working on some stuff to try to make it something special. Uh, so you'll have to see that in two weeks. And don't forget that we are premiering a brand new show on Sifted here probably in the next week uh, that Vincent has been working on very diligently behind the scenes. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of Vincent, thank you guys for watching. Thanks for showing up on the live stream. Game Face is up and out. Yeah.